I'm Eamon. I'm Merlin. And we're a gay. And his NB. Episode number 72. Thank you all so much for listening to another episode of A Gay and His NB. This episode, we're talking all things Real Housewives, and it is going to be quite a doozy. Uh, but before we get into all of the great discussion that we're about to have, uh, be sure right now, wherever you're listening to us, whether that be on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, to please, please, please leave a rating and a review uh, on our podcast page. Uh, it's so helpful to us because it helps us get into the algorithm, helps us get seen by more and more people, and it gives us the necessary feedback that we need from all of you great listeners. Um, so take that time right now and go leave that rating and a review. Uh, also, you can follow us on our social media platforms, all at a gay and it's NB on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and Threads, where we're posting new content every day, including clips from the podcast and our instant thoughts of things that we're watching and enjoying. Um, yeah, so it's a great place where if you want more content from us outside of this great podcast, you can go follow us on social media, all at a gay and his NB. You can also get merchandise from us over to gay and his where you can get a variety of different designs on items like t-shirts and mugs and stickers and everything in between. The holiday season is right around the corner. So pick up your gay and his MB merchandise and, uh, rep a gay and his MB wherever you go. That's over at a gay and his NB dot threadless.com and last but not least if you have any questions that you would like us to answer on a future episode of the podcast uh, you can submit that to us across the social media platforms i mentioned or at a gay and at gmail.com just leave your name leave your question and we may answer it on a future episode of the podcast babe what are we having in store on this episode what are the great shows that we are watching and talking about um, well, we are, uh, talking about, I, I was, I, that was a lot of emphasis on that. I am... We are talking Salt Lake City, uh, today on the podcast. Uh, the ladies are still in Bermuda. Um, you know, things are still, uh, boiling up to this. We, we don't know what this finale is going to end up being in two weeks, but, uh, this episode uh, seems to be leading right up to it. And we're still not exactly sure what's going to be happening on that finale, but we'll be covering it. We're excited. But for now, we're going to talk about this episode. We're also going to be talking about Beverly Hills this week. Oh boy. Uh, Dorit gets called out on her bullshit. As she's trying to call everybody else out on bullshit that's not really bullshit. You know that you know that meme of the of the woman just going, kick him for me, get it again. That was me with Dorit. <laughs> Everyone was just mm, also mm. Erica coming to the like girl. This, this was, could this could be Erica's best season in a while. This was definitely Erica's episode. I would say yeah. Um, then we're going to be talking about Miami. Uh, the ladies are still in Palm Beach uh, on this uh, trip about Lisa's uh, uh, fragrance line and all of that. Um, and also, the the Lenny mentions have turned down quite a bit. Yeah. Although, the aura of Lenny is still here, yeah. right? He, He's talked around. He's like a virus. He just kind of just... Yeah, honestly. Um, but before we get to any of all of that, because there's a lot... Uh, let's talk about Potomac. This episode of Real Housewives of Potomac sucked. It was so fucking bad. I, I don't, I, ooh, it was bad. 
I, and not, ooh, I hated it. And like, Tell us how you really feel. Aiden. I just didn't, I didn't, oh my God, what is happening to this franchise? It's not good. It's and, not. And it's not, and the crazy thing is, like, obviously the stuff that we talked about before about like the, the, the dividing of the cast and sort of how things are split, that's still here and it's still a problem. Don't get me wrong. But like, it wasn't even that, it got, Eric needs to go. Like, holy shit. Like, did something happen in the pandemic where Truly Original just forgot how to make reality television? I guess. It's just bad. And Because it's like, they were, because they've been on, they've been on Potomac since like season three, I think. So there's been good seasons with Truly. Yeah. But it's like something is with Truly right now with this and Atlanta where it's just like, what are you guys doing? Like, it's, Maybe he got a bad bout of COVID and just his brain never recovered. Yeah. Well, uh, which is sad, but like he shouldn't be ruining our shows because of it. We'll, we'll get to it. Like this, this, I don't know about you. This felt so stretched out. And so like, it felt like there was like 15 minutes of content in a 43 minute episode. Yeah. There's, like there's some stuff here. The stuff that the scene that happens at the end, I thought was really compelling. But like, my God, there was so much fluff in between where nothing happened. I can't even think of what happened because my my brain. Like we start in the in the car, like picking up from right from Robin, from Robin crying. crying in the car, right, and then that's going to chicken shit bingo, and then. Yeah. Robin walks out of what chicken else happens? Shit. Tell me what else happens. Robin walks out of chicken shit bingo and has a fit on the side of the road. That's all I remember of this yeah, episode. Because there, there's nothing else. That's there, it. There's really nothing else. It's, That's half a day. <laughs> oh, we'll get to it. It's just like, and also we got another week next week of the Austin trip. I'm like, how long is this fucking trip? We're like, it's, oh, it's a mess. There's like, don't get me wrong. There's a lot to do in Austin, but they've done it. It's, yeah. it they've run out of options. Apparently. Unless you want to go see some great wrestling. We've got some promotions to, to give you. But, yeah. like, other than that, go home, ladies. I what are you doing? Oh, God. So, like you mentioned, we start off the episode with Robin still crying in the car and Candace and Wendy and Mia in there as well. Because when Robin's doing the whole, you try to make me a fucking villain. And then Candace goes, I didn't say you were a villain. I just wanted you to talk. And Robin goes, I literally sat there and spoke up for my husband. And you take it like I'm the reason that he lost his job. Like, it's uh, okay. Like, we're never, I'm not going to, well. I feel bad for Robin towards the end, but, like, it's not, like, this whole, like... It has nothing to do with what's happening with the girls. It has everything to do with what's happening between her and Juan. Yeah. When he goes, look, I know how it feels for your family member to be reliant. I think, here's the thing, it sounded a little condescending of Winnie to say this, but, like, I understand that, like, she was saying it to try to be, like, I can understand that you are wanting to defend your husband or whatever. Right. But Robin going... He doesn't get involved in this shit, but other people's husband talk trash nonstop about people. And then they play the fucking, um, like Chris Bassett went on a podcast being like, I don't really understand, like, if this was like Robin covering up shit or whatever. Here, here, okay. Here's my frustration. Chris is the aggrieved party. He has every right to throw stones. He has the right to say something because, like, what, like, to me, I just, we'll get to it, but it's like, it's, 
the more they talked, her and Giselle talked about this, it really got to a point where it's like, okay, only Giselle and Robin are allowed to have an opinion, apparently. Apparently. That, like, no one's allowed to say anything. No one's allowed to say what they think or else it's like the worst, agree- you know, thing in the world. If they go on a platform and share their opinion about something. Keep in mind, these women have a podcast that they talk about stuff all the fucking time. Right. We'll get to it. Like, uh, <laughs> Yeah. Um, Candace goes, my husband defends himself against lying ass motherfuckers, referring to uh, uh, Giselle. He, Robin goes, he talked shit about me, a person who had nothing to do with it nonstop. Um, Candace then goes, because it looked like you were complicit with what Giselle was doing and saying. Robin goes, if you feel that way about me, we don't need to talk about shit. And Candace goes, fine, we're not friends. That's fine. We don't need to talk about this. Like, it's. Yeah, it's it's so frustrating because I think like uh, as much as I don't care about Robin, like I do, I feel bad for Candace losing someone who she felt was a close friend to her. Well, and it's frustrating because the whole thing that Robin is saying is if you are offended by something I did, then apparently you aren't a good enough friend to know what I really meant. So it's on you that I did this thing that hurt you. But, oh, oh, now that I just realized, it's also so stupid when you t- take into account what happened last season. Like, oh, you, you know, because this whole thing is like they didn't have a personal convert. Like, Candace and Kristen have a personal conversation with me. They went to Twitter or they went to, like, you know, a platform or whatever to talk shit about me, call me a fraud, all this stuff, instead of talking to me about it. Let's say that, like, that sounds rational in, like, theory. But also keep in mind, this is the same Robin Dixon who, when she saw an article that Candace talked shit about her on a live, when she actually didn't talk shit about Robin, she was talking about other people in the group or whatever. Instead of going to Candace, she brought a fucking speakerphone to a dinner and embarrassed Candace in front of an entire fucking group of people. Yep. Like you, you are literally reaping what you sow. And it that's is, why no one feels sorry for you. It is, again, rules for thee and not for me. That's the way it's always going to be with them. Yeah. They arrive at the chicken shit bingo and Cand- or Karen's like, oh, my God, you just got me at this, like, hole in the wall, Ashley. People were really dragging Ashley online being like, what the fuck is, is this trip? Like, you are just, like, there's no glamour. There's no, like. And like I said, there's some good stuff to do in Austin, and you're not doing it. Yeah. You're doing shit that is, like stereotypical and it's not really indicative of Austin as a city or Texas as a state. It's like, stop it. Stop. Yeah. Robin, Eric official. It's very clear who is not my friend who is totally against me and is totally enjoying the downfall of Robin. It's like, my God. Yeah. Everyone just wants to see you suffer, Robin, like your poor victim, Robin Dixon. And we're just, no one again i didn't care that much about robin beforehand all before all this like it's like my god we're just calling out the hypocrisy and like you can't acknowledge that whatever um they go in and the waitress is explaining to them what how chicken shit bingo works where basically if the you get a number and if the chicken poops on the number then you yeah (laughs) again it's like why why are we doing this um Giselle, so they're all at the table together and Giselle's asking Robin if she's okay and Robin's still crying. Mia's telling Giselle, like, like they were talking about, like, Juan and, like, the allegations. Like, 
Oh my god. Um, they're obviously feeding off of each other. Candace is now also crying. She starts crying, and that Robin's crying. Like, I understand that it seemed like confusing, but I also understand. Like when Candace explained it, like I understand why she was also upset in her own right. When he's telling Robin, Robin, not at Chicken Shit Bingo, not here. And Candace's like, she's crying because she's upset. As if Chicken Shit Bingo is some sacred place where they, (laughs) what? Well, there was this, people were, I think it was, um, uh, it was one of the guys on Watch What Crappens was pointing out that like, it was also so noisy. Like the, the, it, the there was no like there yeah. was so much shit going on. There was like a live band literal playing shit. and literal shit happening in like their vicinity. Where it's like this is the worst place to have a fight. It's the worst place to have a anything. Yeah, Giselle then uh, asked Mia. So she never apologized. Meaning Candace. What does Candace have to apologize for? Not a goddamn thing. Yeah. Ashley. Ashley goes. So why is Candace crying? Giselle goes. She always cries. Mia goes, she made it about her. And then Wendy jumps in and goes, she didn't make it about her. Don't do that. Don't add gasoline to the fire, which is exactly what this side of the group is doing. There's no wanting for a resolution with this. No. Like, you know, then Giselle goes off and she goes, there was only one friend. She, meaning Mia, she was a friend. That thing was not a friend. What she did to Robin is what an enemy does. And you were like, it is. It is one thing to call somebody out their name. Yeah. Call call them, you know, this, that, the other thing. As, as Wendy said last week, anything but a child of God. Yeah. But to literally dehumanize someone, that... You are a black woman. Yeah. You don't get to do that shit because you know what that shit's like. Right. Some so here's the thing. Some people try to point out, like, well, what about Candace? What about like the dwindling uterus comment, et cetera, et cetera? Again, like y- you can't keep pointing back to that one thing that is ex- as an excuse to do all of this other shit. But also, Candace was def- like Candace's reaction, whether you think it went too far or not, was from an attack that was being levied against her. At the end of the day. Right. This, this has nothing to do with Giselle. Giselle. Like, Giselle is fighting Candace on this whole, like, Robin thing just to fight with Candace and to get the upper hand. She doesn't want a resolution. She doesn't. She wants Robin distance from Candace as much as possible. And she, he's, she doesn't even know the full story of what the fuck happened in the goddamn car. Also, like, they're completely taking advantage of the fact that both during the reunion and I think still now, but maybe not now, Candace was going, was doing hormone treatments for egg harvesting. Sure. So, yeah, she's going to fight a little bit dirtier. She's going to be a little bit more emotional with things. And for her to be under attack and have her marriage under attack and have her husband under attack during the middle of that... Yeah, she's going to do that. She's going to go low. And like I've said before on this podcast, you submitted the order. You can't be mad when it shows up on your doorstep. Yeah. I love Candace and her professional with the triangle again going, these women are not worth the running eyeliner, which was so true. Such a great way to put that. But then Ashley and her professional, her little triangle is always a little too handy. Like this is not the Oscars. And I get like the triangles become a thing. But, but it's also not that hard to make. Sure. <laughs> sure. It, it's a couple folds. You can make anything into a triangle. 
Yeah. Robin and Mia then decide to go outside. And I love when Mia's following Robin when he goes, where is she going? She wants to be included so bad. Because <laughs> it's like, yeah, Mia, like, you, come on. Um, uh, Robin's like, I just want to be alone. And then goes to sit on the corner and like sulk or whatever. Um, Robin says her confessional, Juan being fired is like a part of him has been taken away from him. We'll get to that later in the, that end scene because Robin drops a fact towards the end, which I was like, okay, I, I don't feel as bad. Um, as this is happening, there's a lady trying to get them to pet the chicken that she has. And Karen's just like, no, ma'am. No, ma'am. We're not doing that. <laughs> like, <laughs> Karen does not fuck with the dirty bird. No. Like, uh, but even here's the thing. Even if I didn't have the weird phobia of chickens that, that Karen does, like, I'm not petting no chicken. Like, no. I'm sorry. Um, Giselle goes outside and, and tells Mia, why is she sitting on the curb? <laughs> I'm also not going to chicken shit bingo. This seems unsanitary. No. But how are they serving food? That's the thing. That's a chicken's turd how do right you, there. How do you get a health code to, like, you know, approve on all that? That's a really good point, actually. That's, mm-mm. Yeah. Giselle, oh my god, Giselle talking to uh, Mia going, Robin is so freaking strong, knowing all that she's been through headline after headline after headline and that bitch is gonna double down on it fuck you bitch, I didn't want to sit at that table with her it's like, so, like uh, yeah, my god they, like, I, I can't with, I just can't, it's not even enjoyable anymore it's really not, like, it's, yeah it, because all it is is dogpiling on Candace and Wendy and it's like those two and Karen are the only ones above reproach here. Right. And then to have all of these assholes online who are completely ignoring what is right in front of their faces and are trying to side with the green eyed bandits at all. Um, it's just like, what are you doing? Why? Why are you playing into this? I don't understand. Yeah. Candace basically says they're professional. I'm starting to realize it's not really possible to have a true, honest, real friendship with someone who is friends with someone like Giselle. And it's like, yeah. Yeah. Because, again, there's a, like, again, at this point, like, Robin's not even able to recognize the idea that Giselle did something really fucked up. And to me, like, that, the gaslighting on that part of where we're just not going to even act like Giselle tried to ruin this man's life. Right. Is, like, enough for me to be, like, well, if you're not even going to, at the baseline, acknowledge that, then fuck off. Well, and not even just tried to, as in past tense, is actively still trying to. Right. Because she has upped the ante now three times. And also, as soon as that fucking rumor came out, was fully willing to fucking talk about that shit on a, on a podcast. Not only her, but then Robin as well, because they were both doing it. They were both being like, I mean, I saw enough where I need to see, you know, I think th- I think it's a true rumor that, you know, Chris had sex with this woman and got her pregnant or whatever. And then the woman literally comes out and says, I was, I was not telling the truth. Like, Robin, you literally did what you were complaining that Candace is doing. You literally did that. You went on a public platform, your public platform, to spread bullshit about her and 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 malign her and malign her husband so and you can say well it's tip for tat what the fuck ever like yeah it's it's so gross um uh so candace is telling wendy in in because they're still in the chicken chip bingo she's like she's already decided like robin's influenced by that and wendy goes i think you should at least give it a try wendy's 
trying to like, and again, it's such the contrast with Wendy and Giselle. It's, yeah. it's, it shows a person trying to fix things and a person not yeah. like, and even Wendy says in her confessional, Robin's not my favorite person, but I think that the relationship her and Candace had was a real one. And it's clear that they were both hurt. And so like, again, like Giselle is fucking up this show in terms of like the actual group dynamic. We see it like again. There's more stuff later, like we have seen in like the most recent episodes. That when Giselle is not in the group, they can fucking work together. They can be in the same room together. They can have dialogue. Like Giselle is fucking all of that up. Yeah. Ugh. Um. And when Candace is still crying, and she's like, "You're good. Like nothing's changed. Like it's not worse. It's not better. It's good." Fucking Neca. I don't know if this was just placed weird, but like Neca in her confessional as to Wendy, when Wendy's like comforting Candace, Neca goes, Wendy's trying to manipulate Candace. Candace is not allowed to think on her own, breathe on her own, act on her own, or even cry on her own. What? So giving advice is now all of a sudden manipulative. Comforting someone and trying to fix a situation is manipulative. Also, what is this being, again, she's wanting to repair a relationship between Candace, her best friend, and Robin, who she doesn't fuck with. How is this benefiting Wendy? Hmm. NECA, you, uh, uh, talk less. I'm sorry. Um, can we talk about how this episode is also sponsored by Purdue Chicken, which I thought was the weird. They do it. There's a commercial. There's like a brought to you by Purdue. Like, it, I was like, did they really get that deep into the cross promotion that like? And also, if you're a chicken company, like you're gonna promote on the episode with chicken shit bingo. Like, I get like I get it, chicken chicken, but like, I wouldn't want my chicken that I am selling to eat associated with chicken shit. Yeah. Just a theory. I just, you know, those things seem like if they were going to throw um, cow patties at each other (laughs) and then all of a sudden it was sponsored by some, you know, beef or hamburger company. It's like, you know, I would think that there's a that doesn't bode well for the for the meat. The no. meat seems dirty. Yeah, dirty bird. Dirty bird. <laughs> it all comes back. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Wendy is uh, talking with Karen and Candace outside, and she's explaining how Robin was feeling like she was being blamed for one like losing his job. And Candace is like, "It's not smart to speak about an ongoing legal case. I'm not talking about my ongoing legal situation when the motherfucker who is suing me is still married to the woman sitting in there." Yeah, like not even just from the television perspective too. I don't trust Ashley to not fucking bring that shit back to yeah. Michael to use against her. Because like, at the end of the day, any money that Michael wins goes to her. Goes to her. Exactly. Like uh again, to what Candace said before, let's not be dense. Uh Karen's like Karen says her confessional Candace just spoke for what we were all thinking. And I guess it's very hard to hear things like that. Robin, you know, doesn't want to hurt Juan. But I love, that's the thing. It's like everyone, Candace is, nothing Candace said is, Candace has to say what she is saying. And like the minute that like, because it's what, not just what Karen and Wendy are also thinking, but it's what like we're thinking at home. Right. And so like, she's going to get punished for that. Yeah. 
because you guys don't want to produce the show. Yeah. Um, Candace uh, is tells uh, Karen, "Look, I'm happy that Robin's caught up in her feelings for once. I'm, you know, for once I'm seeing some emotion from her, and it made me emotional. Um, so, yeah." Um, Karen, because it's also next, the next day is Karen's big, uh, triple 20 birthday. And she's like getting nervous. She's because of all the tension. She's like, when they hear Karen's birthday, they say, oh, let's fuck it up. Because that's what happened last year in Miami with the fucking drink throw and all that shit. Um, yeah, Karen, Karen can get a break. Um, Giselle decides to get an Uber for Robin and Mia to go back to, um, the, um, to go back to the hotel as the the rest of them go back in to do chicken shit bingo more. It got to the point where Candace kept like crying, like throughout the, like them playing chicken shit bingo to where I couldn't tell if it was because of the Robin stuff or because there was still shit around her. <laughs> I would have been crying for, for the chicken shit. Yeah. And again, like uh, this chicken, the rest of this chicken stuff felt like major filler. Like I mentioned before, like Wendy talks about, like I convinced the little country man to buy me a ticket and then they make it into like this country song that doesn't even sound like the editing. Like, I this was the first episode where I really understood people's critiques about over editing and like the gag editing. And oh yeah, stuff because it made it because it did feel like filler. Like it felt like we're filling time to like because there's not enough content. Well, yeah, because the the cast at this point refuses to film with each other. Yeah. Karen says, I'm having a nervous reaction. My areolas are itching. <laughs> Which, oh, no. No. I don't like that. Um, so, oh, God. So, Mia, Robin, and Giselle go back to the hotel. Mia's, like, talking about Candace. Like, why are you crying? Like, it doesn't make any sense. She was boo-hooing. Like, ooh. And does, like, the fake, like, Candace cry. Um, Giselle's, like, she's acting like she's, like, a victim. And Robin goes, there's no rationalizing with her. And you think that's justification for the extreme cyberbullying? And the way I got out of my chair. Extreme cyberbullying. Those words left Robin's mouth. Mm-hmm. She, what Candace was doing to her was extreme cyberbullying. I just, I, I want to... We word what? apparently words just mean anything nowadays. Well, I mean, let's let's be fair. Let's let's run down a list of all the things that Candace did that falls under cyberbullying. That's it. That's the list. Yeah. Um, she had an opinion, and on, it was on the internet. Uh huh. And that amounts to cyberbullying. And even though it was a one, it was one word. She answered a question on someone else's podcast and said, fraudulent. Yeah. That's it. That's all she said. Right. That is the, that is extreme cyberbullying. And, and for people saying the tw- tweets, first of all, and also Candace pointed out in an interview that they're, they're also, uh, attributing a tweet that she posted as if it was to Robin when it was actually to Giselle first off. So it's like, they're not even getting that aspect of it. Right. But two, she's saying stuff online that if they were filming the season, she would be saying on the television screen. So if she says it on the television screen, is it not cyberbullying anymore? What? It, no, it, that's cable bullying. Cable bullying apparently is a thing. Mm. But again, you have a podcast. Like just because somebody 
is on a fucking internet platform and says something that's maybe negative towards you doesn't mean it's bullying. And also, Candace is not sending people to bully you. She is sharing her opinion and then, like, that's the, like, we'll get to it with the Giselle stuff, which I even more, like, was boiling about. But, like, no, it's not fucking cyberbullying. Words have meanings. Stop it. Yeah, I I just, I I can't with them. And then Giselle going, she won't get you again. I'll tell you that. I'm on ready. Fuck off, Giselle. You are never on ready. When are you ever fucking on ready? Ever. About any fucking confrontation. The only thing you're ever ready with is some bullshit. Or a fucking security guard to fucking, you know, protect you. Like, that's you on ready, apparently. Like, you can't even fucking have a conversation with Candace and address the fucking actual tension involved because it's going to be triggering to your mental health or whatever. But you're on ready? Shut the fuck up. Like, you're not going to do shit. Anyways. Um, they all go... So they go to the hotel. They all go to bed, and we they just wake... We go straight to the next morning. I was like, we're, we're not even going to see them go to dinner? There, there's no dinner that happened that, like... Because this was in, like, the mid-afternoon. And then yep. it's like, we, they just go to bed, and it's the next morning. What? Like, well, like no, nothing nothing happened in between then? Apparently nothing happened. What? Again, these producers are fucking doing my head in. Um, Can- <laughs> Candace is FaceTiming Chris to tell him about the night before. You were noting, uh, and, it, and I'm going to bring this up because it comes up into a conversation later. You were noting how much you loved Chris in this, like, conversation with Candace. Oh, and, yeah. Like, because... Candace is explaining what had happened the day before. And the first thing that Chris does is validate her feelings. Yeah. The first thing that he does is goes, that must be frustrating or must be difficult or something mm-hmm. like that. And it's just like, yeah, that's, that's how you, that's how you respond. When someone is complaining about something that they're going through, when they're venting to you as a partner, uh-huh. the first thing that you should do is say, wow, that had to have been difficult. I'm sorry you're going through that. Right. Just keep that in mind for later. Keep that in mind. Um, Giselle goes to visit Karen in her room and sings her like happy birthday and all that stuff. Um, you know, and, and gives her some gifts or whatever. Um, and promises like the birthday's not going to be as a disaster like last year. I'm going to make sure of it. She's planning everything. Then Giselle basically, uh, she wants to inform Karen because she's like, you know, you know, I know that you were asking about what's going on between me and your friend. Cause she wanted to say Candace's name. Um, I know you want the whole group to move forward. And I think that's beautiful. Um, but I want you to understand that there is no moving forward with her for me because last year the narrative that she put forth as it relates to I treat people differently because of the color of their skin, which is horrible and disgusting. It caused hundreds of death threats and her position is always, well, I get death threats too. I'm going to break down a couple points with this because it's so stupid and, and like, dense it's fucking dense in my view one the narrative the colorist narrative candace didn't start that has been going on from the beginning of this fucking show and it's observable facts it's It's not opinion yeah ashley was bringing up shit season fucking one about comments that you were making about her natural hair yep 
about um, in season, was it one or two with it when they were talking about Katie? Season one. Season one about Katie's kids. What boxes are she was also Jewish and like the. Right. So what boxes your child going to check under race? Yeah. So it's been going on for before Candace even stepped on the show. First off, that discussion was happening. Candace is the only person who has brought it to the forefront of the show in terms of what we're seeing. First off. Second off, the idea that it that the narrative is that you treat people differently because of the color of their skin. That's actually not what the narrative is. That's not even the the accurate case of it. Because and it it's clearly tells me that you didn't listen at the reunion, which we already knew. Right. It's not that you treat people differently because of the color of their skin. It's that you get treated differently and you get passes. And you take advantage of that. That the way society and other people treat you versus treat darker skinned people like Candace and Wendy. So it's not about how you treat people, first off. Even though there is also multitude examples of you doing that, there's a great video on YouTube um, from this uh, creator called Mad Beefs uh, that ju- just just search on YouTube Giselle Bryant's most problematic moments. There's a lot of stuff, um, including stuff from her podcast. Also, uh, if you search like Giselle Bryant, James Harden, and some of the stuff that she said about him, mm-hmm. just saying. Um, the and then okay, so the death threats thing. That's the other thing that stuck in my crawl. I'm going to preface this first off. No one should be receiving death threats. No one on reality TV especially should be receiving death threats. It is ridiculous that they do. It is nonsensical that they do. No one should have their life threatened in that way or it's ridiculous. It is utterly ridiculous that anyone receives death threats. That's point number one. Point number two, the reality is that everyone on reality TV receives death threats. Yeah. Unfortunately. And so when she says here, like, Candace is like, well, I get that death threats too. Yeah, Candace gets death threats too. All the time. She got them probably a lot during the Monique fight. Because, you know, and, and, and I will say this, I was also, I also defended Monique a lot during the Monique fight. You know, I'm not saying I sent her death threats by any means or were, was encouraging of that. But during that period, there were a lot of people that were very anti-Candace and she got sent a lot of death threats. And there was a lot of people being like, well, she's too aggressive. She's, you know, a mean girl. She, you know, attacks people way too much. And then a lot of people responded to that by sending her death threats, which was also a narrative that you fed into Giselle. Yep. Uh, If I remember correctly, it was, I can't associate with you because I am with Jamal, and that's going to make us look bad in terms of the Monique in terms stuff. of the Monique stuff, and and being like connected to you makes us look bad, and makes our church look bad. Yeah. And also, Candace did not send you the death threats. Candace did not instruct people to send death threats to you. Also, while no death threats should be sent to you, and there's no justification for it, people. The, if you're just going to talk about the bullying and the narrative and the all those other words that you love to use in terms of this and maybe social – if you're making it down to just general social media hate that you got, those were because of your actions. Those were not because of anything that Candace did. Right. Again, as I said in the beginning, no one should be getting death threats. But don't weaponize the fact that you are getting death threats to put the blame of that – on someone who had nothing to do with it. Right. 
period. That's all I got to say on the matter because it's horse shit and it was pissing me off. Um, but Karen, Karen, again, I think just Karen, Karen tries to fix it and she just tries to be a mediator in, in this season, which right. I find commendable. She's like, I didn't know that. I won't push the issue. You know, I wish I knew that sooner. You know, I love your girls, etc. Whatever. Um, we then, Mia then FaceTimes Gordon and Gordon basically tells uh, Mia that he's moving forward with the, or that he had talked to the attorney and they're going to be moving forward with the lawsuit. And Mia had already talked about how she doesn't really want to do that and wants him to just drop it because it's family and it's like going to just cause more issues and stuff like that. Um, it'll be interesting to see how that progresses, I will say, in the second half. I mean, the stuff from the mid-season trailer with them Ugh. looks juicy. Um, I am worried that Gordon's like the biggest star of the mid-season trailer, but still. Yeah. Yeah. Um, they all get in their cars because they're going to go kayaking. Uh, Giselle goes, I told Neca to switch with Robin. Oh, that's right. That happened. Well, oh, <laughs> I'm going to rant on the on the kayaking. Um, but Giselle says, I told Neca to switch with Robin because Robin can't be in the same car with. And But I think Robin even said something to the effect of, I didn't mind being in the same car with Candace and them. I love that Giselle is just actively, like, again, yeah. like, like, are you going to chew Robin's food next? Like, what the fuck are you going to, like, oh, my God. It's ridiculous. Well, because she she has to be able to actively influence Robin's thought patterns. Yeah. It, it, I, I really have not noticed it before this year. Maybe it hasn't happened before this year. No, it has. You think Looking it has? back, it's clear. Like, but it's, yeah, it's so prominent now. I think, I think the, I think you can only really see it. Because once, Robin's under such scrutiny. Because it's, yes, it's so prominent this season. And then if you look back, you can see those patterns. It just wasn't as surface. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, they arrive at Ladybird Lake and they go kayaking. This is the this is this goes to what I said at the beginning of this segment. Do you want you want to know how long this kayaking segment was on the episode? Eight minutes. Why? Nothing happens. Nothing. Nothing happens in this scene. They float around on a fucking kayak. They do some weird like music video editing, but nothing happens. Nobody falls over. Nobody, like, whacks somebody with an oar accidentally. Like, Robin and Giselle, like, kind of, like, crash into the, the, the... But that's it. It's like, there's no, there's no... Like, Karen and Candace talk, but they don't say really much. They just kind of, like, say the same thing they said at Chicken Shit Bingo, kind of. So what's the point? What's the point? What was the point of this scene? Why And, and also... You cut a whole, again, like I said before, you cut a whole fucking dinner, seemingly, where I guess nothing happens. And again, we're on, what, week three of this Austin trip? And we got another week coming? Why can't you condense it? Well, and also, to put this out, knowing it's going to air the week before Christmas and you're going to have a week off, bitch, ain't nobody coming back after this. No! It's so bad. Like, it was... Uh, I guarantee viewership will be way down. It was already. It's down to, like... It, they dropped, like, 200,000 That's viewers. not surprising. Yeah. It was, uh, it's trash. It's not good. Like, it's just, like... What, what is there? Like, I love Karen. And, like, Karen's trying. And, like... But it's just, like... I don't even feel like Candace is, like, fully invested. Not... And I understand why she isn't. But it's, like... It's just there's nothing here right now. Yeah. I I think Mia's funny at times, but like 
oh my god, it's bad. But like all like like we mentioned before, like Robin and Giselle are in their own like kayak. But at one point, all the the ladies are sort of like you know drinking together in like a kayak at one point in the center and like you know chanting and having fun with Giselle and Robin completely out of the fi- out of the picture. Even like NECA and Wendy, like it's, I don't think they maybe directly were, but they were in the same group enjoying themselves. Like right. it's so crazy to me that like, it's so like how much Giselle fucks this shit up. Yeah. Oh, um, they all didn't, again, nothing happens. They all head back to the hotel. Um, in the car though, I, I was uh, g- glad to hear this news. Karen talks about, tells them how she's bought buying her grandmother's house in Surrey County, which we saw a little bit of on her uh, special that she had done. Right. Um, and that she's basically looking to convert into this like resort. I think it's an amazing idea. We and Merlin were saying like Virginia is like a six hour drive. We would definitely go if they actually, if, Absolutely. if Karen actually executes this. Cause like, I, I, I think, you know, I, Karen, I love that we got this moment from Karen to sort of like have this sort of like serious sentimental thing. And that's what I loved about her special thing was that we see Karen as such as like comedy character all the time. Yeah. And it was nice to see like a, backing and sort of something more serious behind her right in many ways and she talks about like you know wanting to leave a legacy and sort of like leave something for her children and and stuff like that and that she's hoping she's like telling NECA like I know other black people who also have ownership of like these old properties because the property that um was her grandmother's used to be you know slaves used to right you know uh run it not run it but um work work on it essentially um, and she's like, I know other black people who have similar situations that have now owned these farms and I want them to sort of do the same thing. And I hope it like right. creates this movement where we take ownership of like, right. And the power of it. And I think it's so compelling. And even NECA's like, you're doing like amazing stuff and you're making like big changes. Um, yeah, I just really love it. I like, again, Karen is the one shining star of this, this season right now. Um, so they go back into the rooms to get ready. And Robin, Robin had told Giselle when they were kayaking, like, I got to talk to Juan today to, you know, tell him about everything that happened, which no, you don't like what? Like, no, you don't Robin. <laughs> like just a reminder of how low the bar is. Just, yeah. just keep that in mind. Also, Robin clarifies in her professional as she's calling Juan that Juan got paid out the last 15 months of his contract when he got fired. So it's not like he's, like, super financially struck. I get that he, like, loves the game and, like, you know, it's his passion and whatever. I get all that. So he got 15 months off. But you're not, like, it's not. It's 15 months vacation. It's not, like, the stress of, like, you're worried financially right now, seemingly. Right. So, like, why are you crying that much like you were in the car? That's just me. You know, whatever. Um, But he calls, so so she calls uh, Juan. She's like. The ladies that, like, I'm not as close with had a lot to say, and Candace is trying to infer that, like, I damaged the group because I didn't share this information while we were filming. Like, it's the most, like, ludicrous thing I ever heard. Like, (laughs) again... First of all, infer is not the right word. No. Also, Karen did that, not Candace, right? I think so. I don't... Yeah. She can't even get that shit straight. Robin goes, she pretty much implied that because I spoke about your lawsuit, like, it's one of the reasons you got fired. And then Robin goes, and that, like, really set me off because, and then and then Juan interrupts her and goes, Robin, why, 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 why are you feeding into it? 
And Rama goes, I'm not feeding into it. And the fact that this is like almost mirrors the phone conversation last year. Remember when like on that vacation where she's told Juan about what Karen was saying about yep. like the, the blonde eyed girl yep, or the blonde haired girl and the way he just like, I don't like, here's the thing. I don't love Robin, but I definitely don't love Juan. And I think I, I wonder what Robin would be like without Juan. Because I think she, a lot of her really negative tendencies, like what we saw last episode with the hold me accountable and like standing up and like grandstanding. I think she's learning from Juan in many regards. Yeah. You really can It mirrors in many yeah, ways. Very much so. Um, she goes, Robin's like, I'm not feeding into it. Juan's like, like, I can't listen to this anymore because it's getting so ridiculous and blown way out of proportion. I need you to stop feeding into it. And she goes, I'm not feeding into it, Juan. I, and then she goes, listen, Robin, this is how you're feeding into it. You're getting emotional. For what? Why are you getting emotional? It's not their life. It's our life. I'm like, she's getting emotional? You're getting fucking emotional. You're yelling on this phone call. I... The bar is so low. Like, he really could have started all of that out with, I'm so sorry that this is affecting you. Yeah. I'm so sorry that this is causing such problems in your friend group. I'm so sorry. Like, But that's the thing. He doesn't care how it's affecting her. No, he doesn't. And that's what Giselle and Ashley and Cherise were telling her the first fucking episode. Yeah. He doesn't care how it how this narrative affects her. He wants to get scot free. He wants to get you know out of the woods in terms of this stuff. He doesn't care that it hurt Robin, which is why I don't believe that they're actually married. Sure, I mean they may have a fucking contract. Who gives a shit? They're not together. They've not been together. They've never been together on this show. Yeah, I don't believe it because if there was any rom- like romantic connection, he would have. A drop of a fuck to give about how she is affected. But by that's things. the thing. They've been divorced already. If you've been divorced already from someone and you have this amount of disdain, because maybe not from the divorce or whatever, but he doesn't like Robin. He clearly doesn't like Robin. Well, I mean, he, uh, why I, get back with her? I, again, will remind everyone that he was caught on a hot mic yes! with a producer saying he would not be with her if it was not for the kids. Like, it's so obvious. So, like, you, but you're exactly right. Why then, if you've already divorced this person and the papers are signed and you, like, legally don't have any connection to this person beyond your children, you know, which you can't, you know, that's, you know, why get back with her and marry her again if you don't like her? I guarantee you it's for taxes. Yeah, it has to be. Like, my God, Robin's like crying at this point and like trying to hold it in. And Juan's like, I'm not going to let you keep allowing these women to get you super emotional. She goes, I'm not emotional. I'm not. And he, and he just goes, you're crying right now. She's crying because you're yelling at her. And th- this right here, as much as there is so much at fault with the way that Robin is handling all of this. I can't fully blame her. No, because I, yeah. she is actively under attack. She is actively being abused by this man, and we see it on screen. Right. And this is like, I just, 
she's actively being abused by him, actively being manipulated by Giselle. And she's lashing out at anyone else. Yeah. She's reacting like an abused person reacts. Can I, I just realized, because I was like, I, much like last year, I was like, why is she calling him on speakerphone and like filming it? And, and like putting it on camera in many regards. I, I'm at the very least happy about that only because we are able to then see it because I guarantee you, if she didn't do this shit on camera, we would have never seen it. And like, they would just keep acting as if they were happy. I wonder if one, she may not have an option or if B it's a subconscious decision to document. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's what I, yeah, yeah, yeah. E- either it is subconscious and she's, she's not realizing that she is trying to document her own abuse or she doesn't have an option and producers are making her do it. Right. And also it really, def- now that I think about it, it really deflates the excuse that she's used about like, well, we got over it. So like, why put it on camera? Cause it's like, clearly you haven't. And also yeah. this is why you put it on camera. Yeah. What we're seeing right now is yeah. the reality of your relationship. And so therefore it should be on camera. Yeah. But he he's like, Robin, please, like I can't listen to it because like my skin's crawling right now. I gotta go. And he just hangs up. It's like, my God, this man is terrible. Like like I said, the bar was low. Yeah. All it took was a drop of empathy. And this man, instead of deciding to clear the bar, which he could have done easily, he instead got out a bulldozer, not a shovel, a bulldozer, and dug to the earth's crust. Right. I hate this man. Yeah. I I feel bad for Robin, but I also... I, I did you see the memes about like it's like picture of Candace, picture of Ron, and and it's like what Robin wants to be the villain versus the real villain. Yeah, and it's like I here's the thing: I don't know if Robin's realized that fully yet because she's still defending Juan and like press and sort of like I mean they're still married together. To, if we're to, be, to believe they're still married, but like you know he's they're still going as if like yeah I was right to defend my man or whatever. So it's like I don't know. I don't know if she can wake up. I don't think she has the capability, at least from what we see on the show, to watch, like, this show, see herself and see how he treats her and, like, wake up. I don't think yeah. that's been a quality that, like, we've seen of her over the years, so. Because she wouldn't, she wouldn't put up with this from any other person no. on this cast. Not at all. If someone else, if one of the other women on this cast was getting treated like this, she would show up. Yeah. And it would be so clear and obvious. And I just, I hope she can understand what's happening. And it's frustrating because the person who is screaming it at her the most is Giselle. Yeah. But Giselle is also extremely toxic for her. Right. And so it's like, I don't, I don't. Because Giselle's doing the same thing as Robin. Right. Do you know what I mean? She's like, well, I have the, I have my feelings, but I'm just going to bottle it and accept it. That's not normal. Yeah. Yeah. And that's not healthy. Um, yeah. So that was Potomac for this week. Like we mentioned, I, I truly has got, truly has got to go out of business. Like, I don't, please do they make any shows outside of Bravo and are they good? Because like, 
I don't see it. Uh, there, there have got to be other production companies. Yeah, there's plenty. Yeah. Um, not good. Um, we're going to take a quick commercial break. And then when we come back, we're talking the newest episode of Real Housewives of Salt Lake City. Don't go anywhere. Well, hello, friends. I'm your pal in the mainstream media. And, and I'm the Riz. And, and you, you know, Riz, it takes years of strenuous, dedicated training before you're worthy to step inside a professional wrestling ring. But it takes even more time to develop complex, highly astute opinions about professional wrestling. Am I right? That is correct. Yes. And you know where we can define that? Yes. On the wrestling land. That's right. Do you want something new to put on your reading list? Are you feeling your holiday spirit grow while also being astutely politically in tune? Then you'll want to pick up The Santa Strike, a new book by Shanna Hammaker. While home in Midland, Texas on a weekend visit with the eccentric uncle who raised him, Marion Wachlowski, otherwise known as Mary, discovers a long-forgotten letter Uncle Joe wrote to Santa Claus. Mary keeps it to share with his girlfriend Lindsay and his best friend Tommy, at first, they consider the letter to be nothing more than a silly lark. What kind of grown man would write a letter to Santa? But soon, Mary and Lindsay find themselves caught in a much larger mystery concerning many, many more letters to Santa, all surrounding the crisis of gun violence in America. You can order The Santa Strike now on Amazon, available both on Kindle and in paperback. Sidekick Media Services. We are your sidekick in business for social media, video production, and more. Find out more at SidekickMediaServices.com Welcome back to Again is MB. Let's head on down to Bermuda where Angie's just glad that her shoes didn't go overboard again. <laughs> on Real Housewives of Salt Lake City. Salt Lake City for this week. God, good contrast with Potomac because Salt Lake City's fucking great. Yeah. I, w- I was so riveted this whole episode. Like, it really, like, it gave me, like, those, I mean, it's funny in moments. It gave me those, like, sort of, like, more dramatic, like, what's going to happen things that, like, not since, like, the last season of Vanderpump where it's, like, you know, it's, like, a, a riddle almost that mm-hmm. you can, like, you know, try to like figure out, even though we knew the answer to the riddle for Scandal, but like it, it's, it's great. It's, it's really compelling and, and I love everything they're doing. Um, they go and also like the contrast of like the cast trip to Austin and Potomac versus this amazing, like, yeah, like this is money and like fucking like, you know, good shit. Um, they start, uh, the morning of the day three of the trip and I love the staff getting Lisa, her coffee and going another beautiful day. And Lisa goes, another beautiful day. <laughs> that's yeah, that's, oh God. Um, and then, oh my God, Monica getting the birthday card from her kids for her birthday and it reading PS, please do not get arrested. <laughs> and also the way she's like crying at how sentimental it is. And then when she reads that part, she's like, what? Like <laughs> rude. Yeah. Um, Heather decides uh, in the morning to ask Monica if she wants to go for a walk on the beach to talk about uh, stuff from the night before. Um, and and they're discussing it. And Heather apologizes for losing her temper, um, that it was just a buildup of things and she didn't want to ruin her birthday and, and is sad that if she did. Monica says, like, you know, the confrontation just threw me. And Heather's like, you know, it just felt like you were coming for me on the bus. And, you know, to, like, repeat that at the table, it felt as though that you knew that it was, like, a touchy subject, which I get. Like, I actually get that part from Heather where it was, like, you know, 
whatever about like my feelings about it. Like I, we kind of had that moment on the bus and it, I mean, here's the thing that's housewives. Like Monica being like, well, I felt I was sex shamed. So like, like that was, that's a housewives move. Yeah. I did think it was, I did think it was weird that she tried to categorize that as sex shaming. Sure. Nobody was talking about you or your sex life. Yeah. Monica's like, now I know that, you know, certain topics are not up for discussion, and I apologize for that. And Heather and Monica make up, and we know this will be (laughs) short-lived. So short-lived. The fact that they make up just before some of this shit's about to drop, like... Wild. Yeah. Wild. Monica asks how, like, how do you feel about, like, all the Meredith shit? And Heather's like, I don't know. Like, in my head's, like, spinning. Like, do you think Meredith sent the DMs? Monica goes, I don't know. Heather goes, what does your gut say? And Monica goes, I didn't think she would ever do that. I don't think any of you guys would. I would do that shit. <laughs> Joking. And But I was like, uh, is she telling on herself? No, there's no way that she's telling on herself. Ma- Heather goes, girl, you would not. Don't say that. Like, make a fake account and send yourself DMs. And Monica goes, no, not myself. Like, again, like. But she's saying if she would have done it, she would have sent it to somebody else. She wouldn't have sent it to herself. I guess. But, like, it it raised my eyebrows for sure. No. Heather says her confessional, look, no one believes that Angie's, like, in the Greek mafia. This is about someone creating a fake social media account to spread lies and negative gossip about us. And um, I, I thought She Speaks Bravo brought up a good point about, like, the fact that they literally went through this, like, last year with the whole Angie Harrington's husband. Yep. Like, I mean, maybe it was, I mean, she, he made like a, a, a what was the account? Like, fuck Jen Shaw or something like that. Yeah, like, something like that. I mean, like Jen Shaw account to just like attack Lisa. So it wasn't like receipts on fucking whatever. But like, it's like, maybe it's Angie trying to get back on the show. I don't know. Like, who knows? Maybe. That's the, that's the fifth option of what we discussed. Yeah. Um, Meredith is FaceTiming Seth in the bed to tell him and about what happened. And Meredith's like, last night, everybody just came after me, and it was insane. Lisa yelled at me like crazy. It was very, very nasty, which, yes, Lisa's was a lot, and also it gets even more a lot later. <laughs> I'm just glad that nobody's calling this thing a finsta. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That was irritating last season. It's like, yeah. It's, like, it's a real Instagram account. Sure. Um, Whitney decides to go play tennis with Angie. This fucking scene made me laugh so much. Uh, and showing Angie, like, how to take out her aggression. It's like, you can pretend this is Meredith. You just hit the ball. Like, ah! Like, the way Whitney just, like, screams. <laughs> like, she just drops the whole... <laughs> And then also Angie trying to hit the ball as the, the, this is the one, this is the good editing trick. Like truly original take notes, her trying to hit the tennis ball as Meredith in the background, like, like some evil dark clown going, <laughs> you can leave. <laughs> um, they talk about everything that happened last night. Whitney go, Whitney's like, I just can't believe Meredith. She sat there at that dinner table while everyone is coming at her like I'm just happy to be here. And we get back to the house and she has cake with us like nothing happened. And they show the, 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 like had a cake with candles for Monica. I loved Meredith on Twitter being like, oh, why was I supposed to do ruin Monica's birthday party? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I wouldn't put it past you. You've done shit like that before. Sure. I, but I also, knowing me, I would put a lot of emotions aside for cake. (laughs) 
That's fair. <laughs> I would have taken the cake and gone to my room. Sure. Now this is mine now. <laughs> I'm going to eat it in my bathtub. And <laughs> oh, she doesn't have a bathtub. I'm going to take your bathtub. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck. Whitney, Whitney goes, how long can you keep up that facade before we're all like, you're not safe. You don't take accountability. We don't want you around. Again, and I'm like, here's the, it's not going to happen with Meredith, luckily, but I was like, can we not do another, like, we're going to oust this person, like, thing? Like, there's too much of it happening right now on Bravo. Really and truly. Yeah. I'm done. Whitney's like. It's like crazy psychotic disassociation. And Angie goes, it's unwell behavior. <laughs> Just, I love the, like, the big words. <laughs> I read books. Uh, <laughs> Whitney then brings up Heather going off on Monica at the dinner. Angie tries to defend Heather. She's like, look, every culture, every religion, there's shame around sex. If you aren't married or a certain age, she has to reprogram from a lot of stuff, which I, which I get. But again, it's like, I don't know how reprogramming works in terms of that regard, but again, I just find it very odd that it's like back and forth and it's like suddenly I'm this staunch Mormon and then suddenly I'm not. And then like, right. You know, I just feel like re like when you're, I can sympathize with like you've been raised in a culture that like ingrains in you negative views about sex and your body and all this stuff. But it's like, to me, like the response is more consistent. Sure. I, Mm, I would say when you're deprogramming from stuff like that, it's not very consistent. Um, typically. Sure. I mean, you have moments maybe, but it just seemed like this would like, this was like a ardent belief of Heather that we should have all known that she was. Like, right. Again, this is Heather's evil twin that goes on all the trips. I think that makes way more sense. <laughs> I just saying. Um, Whitney goes, she doesn't want to talk about her own sex life, but wants to talk about everyone else's, which fucking triggers me. It's you remember when we were talking about the other girls who were in line to join the cast this season on Salt Lake. Uh -huh. Oh, that's right. There, there was, was a there, there was, was a Heather one that, that was... looked like Heather with dark hair. This is her with a wig. Oh my god, you're so right. She is stash Heather. In her house. Oh my god, can you imagine? <laughs> Fucking reverse Hannah Montana ass. <laughs> oh my god. That, maybe that's the fucking plot twist. Heather Utah. Yeah. <laughs> Instead of Hannah Montana. But then, Whit so Whitney then said, I, I want to know what you think about this from like a core argument. Like, Whitney says that she finished reading the book and that the only mention of their friendship was that she had hired Heather to do this like boudoir photo shoot for Justin. And we see like all, we see the old photos of it when Whitney had that way too short Bob. I'm so glad she's not wearing her hair yeah. that short anymore. Um, and it's just like, she's like tied up on the bed and she's in lingerie and all that stuff. And it was like a present for Justin for his birthday or whatever. And then Whitney makes such a point that like, this is like a hypocrisy of Heather that like, she doesn't want to talk about her own sex life, but she'll talk about mine in this book. I do think that there is a level of hypocrisy there where she won't talk about somebody or she won't talk about her own, but she'll talk about everybody else's. Yeah. I do want to know the context of it in the book to me, because to me it seems like that would be if she's bringing it up it would be as a turning point right i would think that it was something where she's 
going into this situation maybe feeling uncomfortable, but then she finds the power in embracing your sexuality like that. And um, Whitney helped her see that and see that sexuality can be beautiful. And Here's it can the thing. Be- like, with Heather and Whitney later at the, at the bar when they're arguing about this, I don't even know if there were details in the book about it. Like, I feel like it was just a, this is how I met Whitney. Again, I'm going to have to read this damn book. Right. Like, but it's like Whitney makes it seem like there was a lot of like sexual content in like the describing of this story in the early goings. Right. Right. It's not like it's smut. That's not what this is. Yeah. I, I, this was my favorite line of the episode. I died laughing. Whitney goes talking about like this Heather's like sex stuff. She goes, I have whiplash. And Angie goes from the tennis. (laughs) (laughs) And Whitney goes, no, from all these relationships. And Angie goes, oh, yeah. <laughs> I died. Angie is a comedian. <laughs> like, it's a, and uh, Angie has, that's, but that's the thing, Angie, if you're listening to this podcast, which I don't know if you are, because you, we say a lot about you. Um, you, you I, we've talked about how you try really hard to, like, sort of have, like, your, mo- this was funnier than anything that you said, like, and try, in the moment, any moment that you've tried to make this whole season. And it just seemed like on the, from the tennis. <laughs> so like it's just so fucking funny. <laughs> I don't. Uh, it cracked me up. Um, then there's okay. So they're all getting ready uh, to leave. Uh, there's like an awkward silence in the living room though when everyone's waiting because like they're Meredith's there, so they don't know what to do. And then Lisa's just like Angie, Ange, let's go, guys. And there was something like Angie's like running late. There was something also about Angie. She's because Angie's wearing a bikini with one of the, you know those like slip dresses that are like all like. It's, it's like a net almost yeah, cover up. Yeah, that's what called. And, and and hers is like rainbowy colored, and she's like has like whatever she's bringing in her hand, and she's just like trotting down the hallway to like get to the bus on time. <laughs> so I think she had her shoes and like a clutch and sunglasses in her hands. Yeah, uh, they they head uh, to because Lisa's got them a yacht for the day. Uh, Monica is shaving her legs in the fucking sprinter van, which gross. I'm sorry. I'm all for like. There was nothing on those legs anyway. What are you doing? Yeah. Monica's like, it's reminiscent of my hoe phase. And Angie goes, don't do the cooch on board. <laughs> no. No. Um, they arrive to the yacht. Um, and, oh my God. Angie and her professional. Last time I was on a boat with these ladies, my shoes went overboard. But with all the tension with these ladies, I wouldn't be surprised if someone ends up sleeping with the fishes. Because that's how the mafia does it, right? Yeah, we get it. We get it, Angel. We get it. That's the joke. Like, again, it's like like the moments where she's not trying to be funny, she's amazing. Um, I found it so so Meredith is just like sitting by herself as everyone else is taking a group photo together like without her and it's like so fascinating to me because they did this to Monica at the end yeah like they like all the like they didn't like the promo shoots they didn't film like Monica had to do her separately from everyone because they would not film with like do like promo shoots with her like they didn't they only took group photos with each other at BravoCon and didn't include Monica. Like it's so interesting that they did this to Meredith here. I just I I this last episode has to be a doozy. Yeah, it's gotta be. It looks like it from the trailer. That trailer was like I was shocked. Like 
I just don't under and the way like can we talk about this trailer? Like the way that they had those the table set up in a triangle. Oh and yeah. like they were like, This is the Bermuda Triangle and everything's gonna be lost. And I was like, What are we doing? Yeah, there is something there there is something about the setting that like the fact that this whole is happening in Bermuda that like adds to it in yeah. a weird way. Like throughout this whole trip. Yeah. Like this I think this could go down as one of the best cast trip cast trips on Housewives. Well, and it's long. This is like the third episode here. We've yeah. got another one that's here. Like like the way I'm like with Potomac, where I'm like, just get back to Potomac from Austin. My God, this I'm like, I don't want them to leave Bermuda. It's so yeah, good. it's like take some of the episodes away from Potomac and Austin and add them to this trip. Yeah. Um, they're like getting drinks and stuff like that. <laughs> Whitney fucking like, oh look, it's a pole that I can swing on. Like it's a, but it's like a. Uh, vertical or a horizontal so she's hanging like she's like a monkey on like a branch or something (laughs) she'll take anything yeah monica's like don't break the boat whitney and lisa goes she's athletic don't worry (laughs) um heather then pulls meredith to the side to talk she's like i'm just gonna give it to you straight like i was blindsided last night like they think you are all making a fake that you are making a fake account you're sending dms and then conveniently calling monica and meredith goes well i'm not um, Heather goes, I don't understand the mess that you have gotten yourself in. And I don't understand the lack of reaction as well. And Meredith goes, I'm trying to process all of it because there's a lot of elements that are not adding up. So then Meredith then explains her side. And she kind of talked about this on watch what happens live, but she goes into more detail about the stuff in which about like the tax lien and the bankruptcy and some of that stuff. Monica actually brought up first on the plane ride home from Palm Springs. And okay. so they had already discussed that part. And then Meredith tells the story from a couple of weeks before the trip, like how Monica told it, which is we went out for lunch. We were hanging out in Park City. We were going down the streets. She's like, I, I casually mentioned like that uh, parts of this like district in like Park City were built by the Greek mafia. And then Monica said, do you think Angie is a part of it? And I said, I don't know. I d- and that's makes sense. Here's the thing. That makes sense to me. And that's, and that's basically what, what Monica said. Monica says that they were more serious about the discussion about the Greek mafia stuff. Like she gets into that with this, this discussion with Meredith, that it wasn't just a like, I, to me, it seems more casual. It seems more like she brought up the Greek mafia and my mind is Monica going, oh my God, like Angie's maybe in like the Greek mafia because she always says she's Greek. So like. Right. It, to me, when you're saying I don't know instead of no, of course not. But answer, what was the, but, answering no, of course not. Plays it off as it. Of course, that's a joke. Sure. Of course, we're just joking well, about it. And also, was it an I don't know or was it like, oh, I don't know? Like, it's Meredith. Sure. Meredith would answer in that lawyerly way of saying, well, I don't know. Yeah. I don't. Monica, was there a Waluigi laugh or not? <laughs> right. But so the one thing where I think it gives Meredith credence in in the story that she's telling she says we had this conversation and then like a like a day or so later i then get these dms and the dms had very specific things in them about like the stuff that monica was telling me on the plane ride into palm springs was in the dms like very specifically outlined and that's why i called monica to ask if she got this dm okay 
So that makes sense. Where did Monica get that information to bring it up on the plane from Th- Palm Springs? That's the question. That's the question. Because if she had gotten that DM back then, that change that that's is, a good point. That is separate from what she is saying now, which is she didn't see that DM until after until Meredith, informed, Meredith her. informed her about it. Yeah. So I would like to hear that from Monica. Yeah, because whether here's the thing, whether I get your point about whether Meredith indulged the whole um, Greek mafia thing. Because Meredith is the kind of person that if she doesn't know outright, she will say, I don't know. Right. Instead of just saying, that's ridiculous. Of course not. Yeah. And Angie, Angie brings up, like, why wouldn't you just dismiss it? Why wouldn't you just say, like, you know, oh, that's crazy, whatever. Like, why would you indulge it at all, essentially? Right. Which I guess is fair. I didn't, I didn't understand Angie saying that when she was having the conversation with Meredith. But when you describe it like that, that makes more sense. Like, for example, um, the whole thing about Dorit talking about Sutton putting vodka, vodka in her coffee. coffee, her saying, well, I don't know if she puts co- or vodka in her coffee. That leans into it, right? right. It, puts this air of question on whether she does put vodka in her coffee as opposed to Dorit saying, no, of course she doesn't do that. Right. No, that's true. You know what I mean? Yeah. So if Meredith, but that's just how Meredith talks. But if that's, if Monica's not used to that yet. Yeah. I also think like how the, I feel like the Greek mafia thing and the tax lien bankruptcy stuff are separate things. I think I said this last week. It's not like they're interpreting it as, and maybe it's because how Monica related. They're interpreting it as that the DMs were linked to Greek mafia. And no. I think even Lisa said at one point, the documents say that you're in the Greek mafia. Right. Which, so it's th- because all of this is being relayed to the rest of the group together as a package deal. Right. As opposed to how it actually happened, which was the documents. And then there was this discussion about and and it's and if I'm giving Monica the benefit of the doubt, she only is bringing up the Greek mafia stuff because of the timeline of we have right. this discussion. Then a day later, Meredith gives me this call. Right. So she's more saying, well, like clearly, if like Meredith thinks she's in the Greek mafia, and then all of a sudden I get these these tax documents. That has to be related. Or that's, it's, it's just Monica thinking she's pushing me in this direction. Correct. So that, that's Monica's defense, I would say. Heather says her confessional, I don't know who to believe. It seems like Monica hasn't told us the full story, but Meredith's history with digging dirt doesn't make her look better either. Yeah. So. And that, that's where I'm at. Yeah. Meredith goes, I guess I'll just have to deal with Monica. And Heather's like, the sooner the better. Like, you know, let's get into it. Um, they're all eating tacos and stuff like that. And then Meredith asks Monica if she can talk. And so she pulls Monica to the side. Monica, her confessional, can we please just talk after the taco? And I'm like, <laughs> somewhere Emily Simpson in the background's like, I'll have a taco. <laughs> um, they sit down. Uh, Meredith goes, I've been trying to decipher exactly what is going on. I want to know how this became. I said she was in the mafia, which you then got DMs about. But you're saying, A, I sent you the DMs, and B, I told you these things. And then Monica goes, first of all, I never said Meredith sent me these. We absolutely had a conversation about her being in the mafia. It felt very serious to me. The, the It felt serious to me was kind of... 
interesting because it kind of it felt almost like maybe a cop out of like it felt that way. Well, but hasn't Meredith already said at this point that that was a joke? I think so. I think so. Like, so I mean, that's what she's saying. She's saying, "Well, I know that you're saying that it's a joke." It felt serious to me. Yeah. And you were like, I know how we can find out. I'm Googling. You're Googling. We really thought that. Mary goes, no, I didn't really think that. And then Monica goes, what? Like very loudly to where everyone can hear it. She goes, we both Googled Greek mafia in Utah. And Mary goes, but that has nothing to do with Angie. And I... I'm like, okay, Meredith, that's a, po- that's a fair point. Like, if you're Googling just about the Greek mafia, that doesn't necessarily mean you're Googling Angie Katsanavis connection with Greek, like, like trying right. to, like, get that connection or whatever. Um, uh, Monica goes, it does, because we were talking about Angie and how she's Greek and probably in the mafia. Maybe it's possible. Who knows? How does she have her house? She's fucking broke. She has all these bills. Da, 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 da. But somehow she still has money. How did she get her money? And Meredith goes, this is the, all the stuff that you told me, Monica, Ta- saying, no, this is what you told me on the plane in Palm Springs. Right. So that's, and, but this is like, this, and the, this is what frustrated me, but also it made a good cliffhanger for like what's to come, right? Because mm-hmm. it, it left it in air. Like, because I'm like, okay, so now Meredith's going to broach the Palm Springs trip, right, with Monica, right? But before she even gets the chance to do it, Lisa in the background goes, Meredith, stop lying. Enough. You're a liar. You're lying right now. You've done this to Monica. You've done this to Whitney. You've done it to me. Stop. Admit it. You fucked up. Say you fucked up and you can all, we can all move on. You're hurting good people. Stop it. I'm like, oh, Oh my god lisa calm down like it's not that serious right now uh, and you're interrupting the good parts right <laughs> mary goes lisa stop yelling at me and lisa lisa goes i'm not gonna stop yelling at you it doesn't affect me anymore and then she does her meredith impression oh lisa stop yelling at me stop i'm so calm you're not fucking calm you're a mess and you're losing all your fucking friends <laughs> Lisa's on one. When she gets on a rant, even when it's like not about her, it's fucking good. Uh, She's like, Angie, this is how it's fucking done. This is how you get in the trailer. Yeah. <laughs> um, she got Heather asked Lisa, does Monica get a pass though? And Lisa goes, at least Monica is being honest about it. But if you go by Monica's version of events, she was also talking she shit about Angie. No, she just didn't do anything wrong. What, what do you mean? Explain that. Well, it's not that they were, she was talking shit about Angie. It's that it came up in conversation. Meredith said that she thought she was part of the mafia. And then. Right. But you could say that she's still engaged. Like, and Monica's saying we both mutually engaged. In, in sort of like the... Po- sure, but I don't feel like engaging in an, in an initial conversation when you're caught off guard on something like that is necessarily a bad thing. Right. I feel like you can't, you can't blame someone for reacting in the moment in order to preserve them themselves, you yeah. know? Especially, I'm brand new on this platform. You seem to be the leader of this group. I can't really do anything that's going to piss you off because we've seen what happens. You get escorted off the show. Like, yeah, you know what I mean? So I could understand why if Monica was in that situation, if we believe everything that Monica says, 
why she would <laughs> yeah sure uh-huh oh yeah she's got to be part of the mafia right meredith right and then scurry off to tell everybody what just happened i think i think it's more fascinating also just the fact of how lisa's ready to like sort of like side with monica and sort of yeah. like see the best in her i think like, i think it's less about seeing the best in monica and seeing the worst in meredith that's a, that, that's what i was about to say i think i i'm like i think lisa wants to immediately believe that meredith is lying and just wants and sees the excuse and is taking yeah. it i think maybe to give if i'm going to give lisa the benefit of the doubt maybe it's because of what happened in palm springs with that conversation outside the restaurant right like and that shows that's already in the back of her mind but like she already thinks meredith has these rumors and nastiness about yeah. angie and her family yeah meredith goes this is exhausting and angie goes i'm sure it is because it's hard to defend the lie and then angie going i own the streets of salt lake city that because i doesn't I'm a- help your case angie. <laughs> like also you have a hair salon business you own the streets of salt lake city which and, street? Because I'm a fucking reputable businesswoman. Also, there was a Daily Mail article out, which I don't know if I believe. Like it's, it's Daily Mail, whatever. That Angie did have a hundred seventy thousand dollar tax lien at one point, but that she paid it off. Uh huh. So at least it's maybe pulling something that is slightly true and manipulating it. Right. But who knows? Um, Whitney's like, I believe Monica because I do see the pattern of what's happening. And Meredith goes, I'm tired of hearing that because it's incorrect. And I'm getting very irritated about everyone narrating me. Don't narrate me. I hate that everyone's now using Lisa's phrase now. <laughs> it doesn't even make sense. That's not what narrating means. Sure. And then Meredith storms and she goes, I'm getting really fucking pissed off. And just storms down to the galley or whatever. She, I, Meredith. Yeah. I mean, I get it. It feels like a dog pile to a certain... If, if Meredith is innocent, it feels like a dog pile. Correct. But she also can't be mad because there is this pattern. She has set herself up in certain ways. Now, does that make it extremely smart for someone to take advantage of that pattern and just continue the pattern to point it to her? Absolutely. Right. And if that is something that someone is doing... Good on you. Yeah. That's how you frame someone. If if Monica is behind this, she's done pretty well so far in terms of like... And it's ballsy to do this your th- first season on the show. But my thing is, I again, I think I said it last week, I just don't get the motive. Yeah. Like, what's the point of Monica doing this in a way? Yeah. Like, I don't know. Um, Lisa's like, we're on a beautiful catamaran. Let's go have fun. And they all just start like dancing and eating. <laughs> Angie is wearing a fucking hula scoot of her hula skirt of Whitney's extensions. <laughs> it was atrocious. She, I think it's one of those halo extensions. You yeah, know, yeah, that has yeah. like the, the, clear, it's like a headband. Uh huh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've wanted to get some of those. <laughs> Monica and Whitney go swimming at one point. Yeah, they're just enjoying yourselves. And as as that's happening, Meredith decides to sit next to Angie and talk to to hash things out. She goes, the reason I called Monica was because some of those things in those DMs were things that she had already mentioned to me. And Angie goes, well, why would you even entertain that? And they talk about, like, just their issues with each other. And Meredith just goes, it's just unpleasant how you yell and you scream at me. Like, that's why would I want to be around the person like that? You have to think, Angie, but you need to know I'm not out to get you. And, and, and Angie's just like, 
okay, I'll believe you. And she's just, she says something in her confessional of just like, I don't trust Meredith, but I just have to take her at her word. And if she does it to me again, then it's over. It's like, but this has happened like three times. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> the way they move How many on. chances is too many chances? I mean, you why, know? I shouldn't be complaining in a world like Potomac where nobody's moving on the way that this cast just rapidly moves on from things. Well, but it's like, there's a middle ground, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because in neither of these scenarios is anyone being held accountable. Right. The problems just continue. Right. <laughs> Which I guess, were, I mean, it's fun in a way, but like, <sighs> um, Meredith goes up to Lisa and Heather goes, so me and Angie spoke, and the final conclusion is, She's taking a hit out on me. (laughs) (laughs) So, so like, oh, my God, cracking jokes. And then they get in the Sprinter van. Meredith is then sitting next to Lisa in the back of the Sprinter van. And she goes, you might not be thrilled with me, but I do want to share with you. Brooks got signed with Ford Models. And Lisa goes, he did not. What? And she apparently got the phone call while they were on the yacht or whatever, which is good for Brooks. Yeah. You know, I, 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 you know, it's a big deal. Meredith goes, I talked to Brooks and he said, lean into Lisa. She knows who you are at the end of the day. And they're like chatting about how excited they are. Monica gets annoyed by this and, and points and like stares at them and, and her confessional. She goes, why all of a sudden can Lisa and Meredith be screaming at each other? But now Meredith is kissing Lisa's ass. This I found interesting to me that Monica was upset about this because Again, it's kind of, like, similar to, like... I mean, it's essentially what Lisa was upset about with Monica and Angie, right? Yeah. Earlier in the season. Yeah. You just had this big blow-up. Yeah. And now you're working on it. And now I'm mad. Yeah. So... And it's... Uh, and it's misreading of the situation. Because all you see is them together. You really don't know what they're talking about. Right. Yeah. Um... Whitney is talking about just general stuff and she goes, I love sleeping alone in a bed up here. And Heather jokes like, babe, you're dissing J-Dog. Don't call Justin J-Dog. Can, can we stop with the, no. with the slang and the lingo from you white women? I'm so sorry. It's just not. It's not cute. Whitney goes, my husband has a very nice nose for going down. I'm like, okay, Whitney. Even then I was like, oh, okay, maybe I'm with Heather. <laughs> like, let's not talk about sex. Um, Heather jokes like, I will never recover. You and Monica talk about ass eating like all day long. And Whitney in her confessional goes, here we go. Heather has to shame me instead of empowering me. I'm like, I guess. Like, but that's not okay. And then Whitney, (laughs) I love this. Whitney goes, Heather, I'm so confused by your boundaries sometimes. And Heather goes, (laughs) same. I'm like, okay, but Heather, that's not like that's not like a joke. Isn't it fun that I'm like inconsistent and like I like I snap at people for no reason? <laughs> like it's 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 not fun actually. It's quite irritating. Yeah. Mon they're all getting ready for dinner. Monica's getting her glam done. And when he comes in out of the shower with her makeup fully running, she looks like she just like came in from like a rainstorm. <laughs> it's so um Monica so she sits in the chair. Monica tells her I feel Meredith knows, you know, Monica isn't doing what I want anymore. And now I have to switch back to Lisa and make Monica the piece of shit. And Whitney goes, you're exactly right. I'm like, oh, no. These two are feeding off of each other with the the conspiracy theories. Like. Delusion and collusion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) It's like, I, like, the, the fact that Monica's, here's the thing. The fact that Monica's overly reading into that and also 
assigning the narrative and then like putting it to Whitney who will carry that narrative. Right. Again, alarm bells off in my head about Monica a little bit. But I also understand it because she's used to this sort of manipulative behavior from her mother. That's true. So she's on high alert for that sort of thing and will misread a situation because she is still dealing with that trauma. That's a good point. Actively. Yeah. They all um, head out to dinner. They're all taking selfies at the table overly. And then it gets to the discussion about their selfie number. Cause Whitney's like, I mean, your iPhone can tell you in your photos, how many selfies you take. And like, like Whitney's done like 7,000, like Heather's done like 11,000. They get to Lisa's. She goes, I have 22,802, which is probably why I need two terabytes of storage. <laughs> I'm like, that is ridiculous. I'm so sorry. Like, are you looking at yours right now? Yeah. I don't have a lot. I don't. 252. Oh, you've, you. (laughs) And some of those are selfies with both of us. Okay. Sure. I'll take some. I don't, I probably am not. I'm probably in the the double digits. Like it's, I'm not a selfie person. Some of those are also selfies that have been edited. Oh, well then yeah, then you're then you're boasting your or boosting your numbers. That doesn't count. Yeah, I don't know why it counts both versions of the selfie. Mm. Probably cuz the metadata still tells you that it was taken with the front facing camera instead of the back facing camera. That's probably yeah. Yeah. Um Monica's like Monica's talking about how she has like this like really bad migraine and like she's, you know, dealing with it. she's like might be having like a stroke or whatever. And Heather's like, No, you would lose like complete like feeling or whatever. She's like, I had Bell's palsy before, which I didn't know about that I didn't either. Yeah, and she was like she d- talks about like it was like a stressful like the stress of her like divorce and stuff like that, which is like that's a big like thing with Bell's palsy. And she t- shows that she had to go take a photo with her for her Costco card. Which like that old photo of Heather too does even look like her no at all like bell's palsy aside like it was like really jarring um i felt like that i maybe i'm misremembering i feel like i always saw comments about like heather's face like in, not like to, like people can be mean obviously but but like heather has like this like weird element of her face or whatever that's like yeah. a little and, and i think it might be because of that and, maybe and i was i was hesitant to bring it up because i was like well i mean is that shitty to say her face like I kind of can see it now, but and then, like yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't mean to be like you know, oh my god, you're ugly. And it's not that she's ugly or by any means. No. It's just there was always something like about her face that I was like always intrigued by, and like it was cool. I mean, not cool, but like so cool that you have Bell's palsy. Um, but it was interesting to know that element of her life that I didn't know. But Heather goes, "It's all in the book, ladies," and then Whitney pulls a face. Oh, jeez. Oh, my God. So then Monica uh, looks at Meredith. She goes, this was so awkward to me. Monica goes, are you crying? And Meredith goes, no. Monica goes, are you sure? (laughs) It it was almost as if Monica wanted Meredith to be crying and being upset. (laughs) Monica goes, I'm getting, like, weird energy. And frankly, Meredith, I don't like it. And Meredith goes, I don't like it either. I'm very upset. Monica goes, I'm upset as well because I saw you two screaming at each other. And on the bus, you're like, hee, 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 but you won't even look at me. And Meredith goes, am I not allowed to go sit down and talk to Lisa? Like, like, I, I also don't feel like Meredith. I was confused by this because I don't even think it was a case of Meredith actively looking at Monica. I think when you have this like major disagreement with somebody, you kind of like, if you're in a group, you kind of just gravitate towards other people. Yeah. 
that was I felt was more of the sense of things. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I don't know if that's like Monica's like self consciousness or what, but like, yeah, I think she's just paranoid. Yeah. Um, Lisa goes, I think it's like a sister thing. Like me and my sisters fight all the time. I mean, I can be like, die bitch and go shopping like five minutes later, you know, <laughs> except you can't because you have held grudges for very long times on this show. Sure. Yeah. Mar- Meredith goes, I made a choice when we reconciled to accept who you are. And part of who you are is you get heated. You have a little bit of a meltdown and you move forward. And Monica then goes, but you're mad at me? Yeah, because it's, like, fairly fresh, Monica. Like, I, like... I made a choice when we decided to bury the hatchet. I would accept that you're a rancid cunt, and you would accept that... (laughs) Lisa's like... But, of course, Lisa's like, that's why I love it, a friendship, Whitney. Like, like, I don't need to grow at all, right, Whitney? (laughs) Like, (laughs) that's what Lisa wants, (laughs) like... Meredith goes, I'm not saying I'm not mad at her. Lisa goes, there's a step in the middle. Which, again, like, it's, I, I agree with Meredith. Like, she's, it's not like she's not mad at Lisa. Like, right. she's, but it's, you know, whatever. But Monica goes, well, I would like a step in a middle, that, middle step too then. Because you won't look at me. You, you know, you won't look at me. It's, like, unreal, dude. And Meredith goes, let's just move on. And Monica goes, take it to bed then. Like, really upset. And I'm like, okay. But I saw some people pointing out, like, no, like, I get it, Monica, but, like, you don't know, you haven't known Meredith as long as yeah, these other people. Yeah, there's no history, you know? So it's like, I, it's, I don't know. It's just different. Uh, Meredith goes, so does anyone have fun summer plans? Like, changing the subject. Um, Heather talks about how her, how Ashley's going off um, for her college vacation. Lisa says that Jack is going on his mission soon. Lisa, Lisa did post a photo of Jack seemingly in Columbia. <laughs> and then apparently he's been in the hospital for three days. Oh, yeah. Like she, and, and you said that she had tweeted about it. I went to look at Lisa. It's such a like random tweet, like in like a stream of consciousness of just like live tweeting about like the show. This is why I'm right here. Blah, blah, blah. Also, Jack is in the hospital. <laughs> like, like what happened? I don't know. I was like, did she get, did he get stabbed? Like Lisa predicted? <laughs> like what happened? Did he get chased by an indigenous group because he was invading their Island? Did they watch Salt Lake city and see what her, his mom said about them? <laughs> was it a, was it a giant fucking spider from South Africa or not South Africa, South America that decided to eat him? Yeah. I mean, I don't know. There were many things that it could have been. Yeah. Lisa goes, even though I love Bermuda, I'm missing days. I can't think about it or I'll cry. It's just like, I know he's never really going to come home again. That's like the part that's hard. It's like, is he going to fucking like, like he's never going to come home again? Like he has two years. He can't come home after that? No, he can. But I is think, she saying like she doesn't think he'll like come home? No, I think she's saying that he's never going to be him. Uh, like after you go through something like that and you're gone for two years, you don't come back the same person. Yeah, that's that. That could be it. I mean, Heather was. I think Heather's right in that regard when she said that. I do too. Um, Whitney talks to her professional about like you know. I know Lisa's emotions have been crazy in the recent weeks, but we got to give her grace because it's probably a lot. And yeah, you know, which is bigger for Whitney. Um, Whitney asked if they're all down to go to this bar on the island. It's like the oldest bar that exists on the island. She's like, I, f- I feel like we need to redo last night for Monica's birthday. 
Um, so they all decide to go to this place called the Swizzle Inn. This is a bad idea. Really bad idea. But it's like what I like. It's like one of those like CD bars. They have like the dollar bills like stapled on like the walls and stuff like that. And like, um, yeah, they all drink like swizzle juice or whatever the hell it was. I that don't they, know. <laughs> something. Um, and they're all sitting around the bar. Angie goes, should we play a game? No. <laughs> Heather goes, no. Also, as she says this, they cut to Mer- Meredith had like the shakes or something. She was like, no, 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 no. Was <laughs> <laughs> she having a, a I, I don't say this to make light of this condition that I personally also have. But was she having a PTSD flashback or something? Kinda. Like what was happening? Yeah, she's just flashing back to Palm Springs. <laughs> I guess. Um, Lisa goes, "Who here read your, Who here read your book, Heather?" And Heather goes, "It. Ma- I mean, it only matters really who bought it." Um, they like Lisa asking about like how the book is selling or whatever. The lights then flicker re- randomly in the bar, like oddly. And Lisa goes, "Oh my God, what does that mean?" <laughs> It means that there was a short in the circuit. Whitney goes, that's the Bermuda Triangle. And then Whitney decides, okay, this is the perfect time to start this drama because I've been waiting for this. Whitney goes, so I've read your book. And last night, you were so uncomfortable to talk about sex with her. Last night was hard for me. You told her to shut the fuck up. But you openly write about my sexuality in your book. Like, it was... It was very hot from the get-go with Whitney with this. Yeah. Like, which I, which leans to my belief, which is that Whitney always does this to start drama and not to actually solve things and, like, get to a resolution. Well, and that was also clear with the fact that later in this fight, when Heather disengages, Whitney continues her script. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> she just kind of keeps going. Like, like I, I think it was Emily from She Speaks Bravo yeah, yeah, that yeah. posted something about Whitney's still going on. Heather's not here anymore. <laughs> Heather goes, I wrote the book and it had nothing to do with your sexuality. I told an anecdote about you soliciting me for a boudoir photo. And Whitney goes, and you talked about taking my clothes off, slinging my panties. It's hypocritical that you won't talk about your own life, but you'll write about mine in your book. And yeah. So, but then, then I, like the little bit where I was like, okay, Whitney may be right. That's slightly hypocritical. But right. then the argument falls apart. Cause then Whitney goes, you never asked for my permission. And then Heather goes, um, I wrote to you about four times before. And you said, take out the part where it's my decision to take the panties off. And then I did, I took it out per your request. You knew what it was before it went out to print. And Whitney goes, no, no, you're missing the point. No, she's actually not missing the point. She demolished your point because it doesn't make sense. You consented. Also, you were implying that you just read this book for the first time on the trip and read that part, and then it got you pissed. But if you got the excerpt beforehand... And got approval... Yeah. Like, girl. You kind of got caught in a lie here, Whitney, and that's like, you know... um, Whitney... So, but here's the thing with Whitney too. She just kind of repeats her point over and over and over again. She doesn't like, you know, come up with a, like a, like she'll just repeat the line. She just keeps going. You won't talk about sexuality, but you'll fucking exploit mine in your book to fucking sell it. Like she says this sentence, like five different ways in this conversation, like over and over and over again. It's worse than the name of by Sutton. Honestly, 
No, because the name of them was iconic. No, that's what um, I mean. Yeah, yeah. But this was... It goes beyond, right? Because now Whitney is trying to insinuate... That's the word you meant, not infer. Yeah. Um, Robin. <laughs> um, she's trying to insinuate that Heather was using this excerpt as a selling point right. for the book. And Heather says this in the confessional. She goes, like, what is Whitney trying to do? Take credit for the book being a bestseller because her and my friends are in it? It's called Bad Mormon, not Bad Shitty Friends. Yeah. But like, it, it's an excerpt. It's an anecdote. It is a small little blip in a overall thing. This story is not about you. This is not a selling point. This is not something that was advertised as being in the book. Therefore, you might as well have not been in it. Right. That story being in the book doesn't really change anything in terms of like... Like if it helps Heather make a point about her own life, fine. But that's really the only point of it being in there because otherwise... like. Nobody knew this story was in here. Nobody is reading this book to read that excerpt. Yeah. So it's not a selling point. It's not exploiting it. She's not selling the book off of you doing this boudoir shoot. Stop it. Yeah. When he goes, you exploited my sexuality in your book. And Heather goes, Heather goes, do you understand what you're saying? Because you sound like an idiot. And Whitney goes, no, you sound like an idiot. You sound like a hypocrite. And, and the way she like says hypocrite and then like recoils back like, mm, like I, I told you. I, I didn't know that that had that many vowel sounds in there. Yeah. Hippoc- it's like cookie crisp. <laughs> Very cooking, Chris. Heather goes, I'm an actual New York Times bestselling author. And Whitney goes, good for you. And then Heather goes, I think you were a ridiculous bitch for even saying that. Get out of the way. I want to leave right now. And I couldn't tell what really happened. Like, Heather, like, gets up and there's, like, almost like a shoving sort of, like, thing. So Heather is trying. And then Heather, like, falls over. Heather is trying to move past Whitney. Whitney steps back in front of her. Yeah. So. I know that I'm using visuals on an audio podcast. I'm sorry, listeners, but I'm trying to explain to my husband. We'll do video one day, maybe. Maybe. Just just one day. Um, So Whitney is here. Heather is here. Yeah. Heather is trying to move past because there's someone sitting here. I think it's Angie. Um, She's trying to move past here. uh, Whitney then moves back in front of Heather. Right. And then when Heather tries to move past again, Whitney shoves her. Yeah. But, Which is how uh, Heather falls. Yeah, because it's and also she's Whitney goes like, "You took my shoe off!" Like, 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 oh god, she exploited your sexuality and she took your shoe off. Like, my god, like you stepped out of your shoe. Yeah, because the floors are sticky in this dive bar. Wh- Whitney's still not taking accountability for anything. The Meredith stuff last season, you know, the stuff with uh, Angie, the Angie rumor, her shoes, like. Uh, when he just keeps going you exploited my sexuality and heather goes what is your sexuality you're wearing it right now own it which i was like okay that's a little slut shaming 
Because <laughs> like, she's wearing like a, a crop top and like... <laughs> well, but it's also a little rich is what she's saying. It's a little rich for you to scream at me about exploiting your sexuality when you are literally in an outfit that exploits your sexuality, which sure. you have every right to do, but then to yell at me for doing that when I didn't even do that. Yeah. She slams the door on the way out and Whitney just goes, holy fucking shit. And then Whitney follows Heather outside. And it's so, it the way that Whitney is like stomping towards Heather, like she's on a runway show and the wind and her hair, it's like something out of like some like really dramatic movie or something. It's but, like she's summoning stormy weather. Yeah. But it's like the, stupidest topic <laughs> like she goes heather it's not fair that you sex shame monica and exploit my sexuality in your book why are you so defensive about it heather i want to have a conversation with you well and she chases her like the funny thing is is there's a there's the van there's the the sprinter van is there heather is walking towards the front end of the sprinter van and <laughs> walks around it and then uh whitney is following her but then Heather circles around the back like it's like it's a fucking cartoon or something. She's like serpentine. And then and then Whitney sees her out of the corner of her eye, turns around and comes back at her. It's like, <laughs> what are you doing? Wait at the back of the car before she circles around the front, and then you go. <laughs> yeah, it's so it was so crazy. Uh, Heather goes, I don't want to have a conversation with you. You're drunk and you're crazy. Get away from me. And Whitney goes, I'm not drunk or crazy. And Heather goes, you're both. <laughs> Jeez. But also, what was the, like, Whitney being like, I want to have a conversation with you. No, you want to have a shout ovation. Yeah. Whitney goes, no, you're guilty because you exploited. And then she pauses and goes, you exploited my vagina in your book. Your vagina? <laughs> what? ma'am heather's then yelling at a producer and she's like get her away from me and whitney this is where whitney's just like doing the rest of her bit for like for no one she goes stop fucking lying and own your shit and like heather's just like off on like the side like just walking down the street like away from everyone and then like heather's like the producer's like heather and she goes stop talking please i would like a minute i would like to have a think heather's like the producer's like okay i was like i want to think i want to have a think <laughs> and that's how we end the episode on that like dramatic conclusion it's just wild just great great fucking stuff all around god salt lake is good um let's go do you want to go in the beverly hills now because again another great yeah fucking episode god they're killing it um we, so we come back uh to beverly hills and we see oh my god we start the episode by sutton going on her dinner date with the man that uh alessandra set her up with named sal Oh boy. Okay, what do we think? He so Sutton goes in in her confessional. She's like, he's tall, he's handsome, he's a gentleman. This date has promise. Sal has promise. That's where I was. I I agree with her on all of those points. He was, I will say, physically looked attractive. He also looked and then ended up talking like it, like kind of like an old school game show host. Like Chuck Woolery or something. Yeah, I couldn't. Here's the thing: I couldn't tell if it was because there was cameras there or something. But like, there was maybe some, there was something about him that was just a little like like I wanted him to have one of those skinny mics. Yeah, yeah, like yeah, the yeah. Bob Barker skinny mic. Mm -hmm. um, have your horse spayed and <laughs> um, but like, like he seemed nice-ish, but almost like put on nice. Not yeah. that he was mean outside, but that he's trying too hard to present niceness. Uh huh. 
it was odd. Um, he, they're talking about just sort of like where they're from, that she's from Augusta and sounds like it must be humid in Georgia. And Sutton goes, yeah, in the summer it gets to be like a hundred percent humidity. Sal goes, I mean, I sweat like a madman. And Sutton goes, Oh, Oh, <laughs> this, this is where the wrong road started. Yeah. It, he started talking about sweatiness and then got talking about his mama. Well, the, yeah, when he gets to the mama, it's crazy. Like, it, and, and I'm like, oh, boy, no. Um, so I got, I felt, I hated this part. Sutton, the waiter comes to, like, take their orders. And Sutton goes, so I'm drinking tonight. And then they do, like, the, like, like the dramatic, like, shady music, like, the dun, 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 like, like thing. She's on a dinner date and she's ordering a drink. There's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. Just because Kyle and Doree are spreading this bullshit. Yeah. Also, is it just me or is having a first date on television kind of not fair? Yeah. It, I mean, it's much kind of similar to what we say about like therapy can't be really done on reality television properly. Well, it's one thing if all the people involved in the therapy are used to reality television. Right. If you have Sutton, who is used to being in front of the camera and used to being mic'd and like has gotten past the awkwardness of being yourself on camera. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And then to throw someone in on a blind date. It's not the best. It's not fair. Yeah. That person's not able to really present themselves in the same way that they would probably if the cameras weren't there. Right. So I really don't, like, I like the idea of us talking through, you know, Sutton having, you know, dates and, you know, all of those sorts of things. I don't really want to see that person on screen until they have had two or three dates. Right. To where they are used to each other. You know what I mean? Yeah. There's a little bit of familiarity there. They've maybe had a kiss, didn't, you know, that sort of thing. Didn't Sutton already have a date with that Sanjit guy that we saw last season that her go on a date with? Yeah, it was awkward. That that one. that was the one where she wore the cat the, sweater. The cat sweater. But they, my boy, the uh, to your point, like they, I think they had like a date beforehand or something. Like they, it wasn't their first. Maybe, date. but I mean, but you know what I mean. There needs to be a level of familiarity, right, between at least the two people. So that there's, he's not both trying to impress the camera and her. Yeah. That's not fair to him. Well, good thing he doesn't either. <laughs> uh, correct. Because <laughs> then he talks about how he's, you know, his mom's still in the house. His mom's like 80 or whatever. And like they're in, still in the house that they grew up in. He works from home so he can still like see her. And, and so then they go to Vegas together and she takes him to a topless review. Yeah. I was like, okay, where are we going with this? <laughs> this is the wrong road. Wrong, wrong road. road. <laughs> Sutton's just like smiling and just like, okay. Like just sort of nodding throughout the whole time. And Eric Professional, she's like, I'm still proud of myself for staying in the date. Proud to all this, I would have had to leave for children emergencies or hangnail that I had to get rid of. <laughs> so I, I love that Sutton was like, I'm at least taking all of Sandra's advice and committing. As right. much as you know, whatever. But the date ends. They all, they leave, and they, it's so awkward. He's like, he goes, "You have a great evening," and she goes, "Yeah, bye." <laughs> <laughs> it's it's and they they like like tap each other's like shoulder or whatever. Like they don't even <laughs> hug. It's so bad. 
Um, we then go over to Kyle's. Is, is that what she called later the Reba Pat? Oh, that's right. right yeah. <laughs> I think that was on the after show she said that. Oh, maybe. yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Kyle uh, has Anna Marie and Dorit over to the house. Uh, I did. So, uh, Kyle's dog Romeo nips at Anna Marie's finger when she tries to pet him, which at first I was like, I know dogs can sense bullshit and I already hate Anna Marie, so that works. But then I was also like, oh, but there's that stuff about like dogs being racist. Yeah. Well, that's because they, uh, I think they are red green colorblind. Mm. So when you have a darker skin tone, it can be more difficult for them to pick out facial features. Right. Um, just because they can't see the contrast as well. So it makes them uneasy. Yeah. That's why a lot of dogs have issues with that. So I'll give Anna Maria the pass on that. <laughs> Maybe. It wasn't the, the spirit of Sutton. No. Um, the, oh my, I also, the amount of fucking charcuterie that Kyle has laid out on her bar for three fucking people. <laughs> How much food are you wasting? I just... This sort of thing makes me go, okay, maybe Lisa's not crazy. Maybe Lisa on Miami's not crazy for having a $10,000 Instacart bill. But they don't eat it. I guarantee you they had like three bites between the the three of them. Yeah, I don't get it. Like, there was no reason. I would have ate the fuck out of that. Yeah. That looked good. But it, it, I will say the amount of it just gives Dorit the excuse to go, are you kidding, Kyle? I mean, I do not have a narrow esophagus, but I do have a stomach that's the size of an adult woman. I'm like, for fuck's sake, are we still? <sighs> Kyle goes, I almost spit out my water when you were talking to Sutton, Anna Marie. And Anna Marie goes, I didn't say anything wrong. You literally said multiple things wrong. Uh-huh. Like, factually wrong. Uh-huh. <laughs> like, like, just ask fucking Tiffany Moon, who clapped back on your ass and was just like, yeah, for her to say, like, you just chew your food more is actually not fucking true. Yeah. So, what? <laughs> like, like, it's so easy to just not speak on things you don't know about. Yeah. Dorit goes, it doesn't really make sense. She said that she had to crush up all her food like baby food. And then one year it was... I don't eat meat. But then she was eating bacon. I'm like, are we, are you latching those two things together? And also, are we still doing this bacon eating vegetarian bit? But also, if you think about it for three seconds, you would realize that meat has a fibrous texture and it does not like mash down to a consistency that she can swallow easily and can really easily get hung up. Uh, in her esophagus. Yeah. So, yeah, of course, more fibrous meat like beef, steak, uh, chicken, anything like that that's not ground would be an issue. Oh, but bacon doesn't have that fibrous texture. But oh, oh, but it doesn't make any fucking – it doesn't make any fucking sense also in the sense that they're – what do you – like the – Remember, guys, this started as them saying she's using her esoph- narrow esophagus excuse – to cover an eating disorder, right? Right. A person with an eating disorder would not eat bacon when they're claiming to be a vegetarian. Right. They would just be a vegetarian. Right. But it's a lot easier to just say, I'm a vegetarian, than to have an entire diatribe about, well, I have a, a... you know, a narrowed esophagus, so I have trouble eating most meat, so I really stay away from all the meat. 
uh, bacon doesn't really cause that issue. So if you see me eating bacon, that's why. Right. But I don't really eat anything. Like, that's a whole paragraph. I don't need any of that. And honestly, you would have then called her out on making these all these excuses and all these reasons and all that stuff. So, like, honestly, just go fuck yourself because you don't really give a shit. You just want a reason to yell at Sutton. Yeah. Anna Marina Carvalho goes, all the inconsistencies with Sutton in her past is very telling. And if anyone comes close to exposing it, she gets mad. You're full of inconsistencies. You literally, here's the thing, Anna Marie, you just described anyone in this group, let alone anyone in society. Yeah. People have inconsistencies in life. I mean, just look at Dorit's accent. I'm sure. But like, yeah. When you attack someone for those inconsistencies, they get mad. Yeah. What was she supposed to say when you were like, well, you're saying this one thing, but this doesn't make sense, so you must be lying. What was she supposed to say? Oh, you're right? What? But also, why go the step further and say you must be lying? Why not say, hey, you said this, but I noticed this. I'm I'm not sure what do you, you mind explaining why that's inconsistent? Yeah. Like at least like or maybe I'm misunderstanding. Can you explain that to me? Why not start from a place of ignorance? Yeah. Instead of accusation. Right. Especially when you're so new to this group. Right. Like we like she said, she doesn't even know your fucking last name. Yeah. I don't even know your last name. <laughs> I don't really care to. Mainly yeah. because your husband's a piece of shit. Yeah. Kyle goes, uh, you know, Kyle tells them about, like, you know, I'm having these, like, meetings coming up for, like, the producing that I'm doing for this, like, one-hour drama. And Dorit, like, is, like, shocked and goes, excuse me. Hello, my name is Dorit. What's your name? And Kyle goes, Kyle. And Dorit goes, do you remember that we're friends? Because you never told me about this. Which I'm like, yeah, that is kind of weird. That, you know. Well, she told her new best friend, I'm sure. Sure. Um, Dorit then is like, what else are you going to tell me? That you got more tattoos? And Kyle goes, I mean, I did get one more. And it's like, oh, for fuck's sake. <laughs> Kyle, I think she's talking about the new one that she got that we saw. Yeah. But Kyle is like, I showed Mo. You could tell that he was like really annoyed. But you could, when she's saying it, she's almost like excited about it. Like, yeah. again, she really wanted to fuck with Mo with that. And then Kyle tells her about the whole tattooing the k on morgan and like how that happened and then kyle goes i mean because i figured that she could just like write a word with it and that's such a lie the way kyle just lies because the k is entrapped by other tattoos there was no way for her to like write like a word out of that i wonder is kyle doing all of this like theater with morgan yeah in order to make Mo cheat <laughs> so that he will then enact uh, a clause in a non in a uh, uh, prenup about cheating that she will then enact it or? no because all then she has to do is prove that she never had an affair with Morgan okay but it looked like it in the media so then that made mo have an actual affair 
Maybe. I don't even know if it's that. I think I think that was that is something I can see Kyle doing. Yeah, I think those And a- it would explain why she's doing all of this shit with Morgan and why she's actively rubbing it in Mo's face. Here's the thing, I actually think she does have feelings for Morgan. Oh, I think she does too. I think she but I do think there is a part of it that is like enjoying like sort of taunting Mo with with it to a certain extent. Yeah, but it would also explain why everybody is going after Mo having been seen with his Dancing with the Stars partner one time. Yeah. As opposed to the 80,000 times that Morgan and Kyle have been in questionable situations. And the way, in that, the Ky- and the way that Kyle made it such a big deal. Right. Like deleting the, the you, you congratulations I mean? post and like having Teddy on Watch It Happens Live. I think it's all theater for Mo's benefit. Maybe. So that Mo will actually cheat. It's an interesting theory. That's that's what I think it is. I think that this is a this is a cash grab. She wants <laughs> it's a scheme. <laughs> she wants half of the agency. Oh, okay. That's what it is. And give it to Kathy. That would be the <gasps> to get that, back at Mo for what he did to the Hiltons. Guys, it's right there. Like it's it writes itself. Like it's it's. Like, it took three seconds of brain work. Hell, it's, that would make me watch fucking Buying Beverly Hills or whatever the hell that show's called. It. <laughs> like, what is it? Uh, it's on Netflix, right? Yeah. Uh, maybe you have to watch that. Nah, I don't know. I'm good. <laughs> we then see Garcelle, and she's going to dinner uh, with Erica at the Classic Cat, which I, I noted that... I was like, isn't that the place that Lala had her birthday this past season on Vanderpump? Maybe. It looked familiar. Someone also pointed out... I don't know the validity of this. I saw this on Instagram just like maybe like an hour ago. Someone pointed out that their waitress that was serving them was the woman. Do you remember like in season four or five of Vanderpump Rules where was that there was that woman who was friends with Lala who also worked at Sir who like gave James like a hickey or something. Do you remember? And then and Lala was like really upset about it because she was had feelings for James. No. Well, basically they're like, that's that same woman. So it's like the Vanderpump like crossover and like I I don't mind it. Um anyways, but like so Erica arrives and this is the start of like a really good fucking episode for Erica. Like like more than just like the like, you know, the stuff with like her residency and stuff like that being like, okay, we're going to get to see her like grow or whatever. This like I was like really proud of Erica this episode. She starts in her confessional and goes, "You know, when Garcelle first came into the group, we were friendly and then we got off track." Mostly because of me. And I'm like, oh, way to take, like, like most ownership of that. She she honestly does so good this episode, taking ownership for her own fuck-ups. And I love her friendship with Garcelle, to be honest. This trio could fucking rule things. It could, it could absolutely rule everything. But the Fox Force 5 seemingly being over... I'm here for these three taking over Beverly Hills. Yeah. Um, if we could get a a, a Garcelle center diamond next season, can you imagine that? Holy shit. Yeah, that would be cool. Or, or like a, a Erica with Garcelle and Sutton on either side of her. I'm here for that. I, I don't see Sutton taking center diamond. I I could dream, but you know I don't. It's not her personality. No, it's not her. But but I mean, she's putting in the work, right? No, I agree. But I think if the three of them are in the center and then everyone else is on the, 
Yeah. That'd be fucking hot. I'm here for that shit. I'm here for it. Andy, give me a call. I got you. Uh, Erica's telling Garcelle about like the residency and stuff like that. She says her professional, I mean, they're only going to remember Eric, remember it if Erica pulled it off or if Erica didn't pull it off, which with the ticket price thing is kind of interesting. But also, yeah. did, did you see the thing of, I forgot the name of the, the sing, you know, the there's a woman who does that, the, this is your night, that song. And Erica performs it at on her show or whatever, and she like made this like the actual the original artist made like this whole Instagram post like calling Erica out for lip syncing to the song like with her vocal track. Uh no, I don't remember any of this. It was like a it, it was just it was just like this past week. It's like from her last like thing of like shows. No, I've not seen it. Yeah, it was yeah. It was a lot. <laughs> um, Garcelle tells her, so like a friend of mine is joining us and Erica goes, is it Denise? <laughs> Could you imagine? Oh, geez. But Garcelle goes, no, like, you know, but I mean, Denise will be at Taco Tuesday because this Crystal's organizing this Taco Tuesday. What was this like party that Crystal's organizing, by the way? Just like Taco Tuesday. Like, okay. <laughs> like It was an excuse to have some people over and show off how many actual friends that she has, even though she lost 14. Sure. Sutton- Allegedly. Allegedly. Sutton arrives in and Erica looks it over and she comes in and goes, oh, fuck off. <laughs> I knew this was a setup, but they're all joking and like laughing with each other. Sutton says you know, to, about Erica, like, she makes me laugh. And Erica goes, she makes me frustrated. <laughs> Which, yeah. like, sure. Okay. I think you both make each other frustrated to a degree. Um, Erica jokes with Sutton. She's like, I was going to send you this thing that I saw about how, you know, we don't gossip in the South. We put people on our prayer list. Maybe I should put Denise on my prayer list. And Sutton's like, I think I need to put her on it too. (laughs) This was so like, again, this, again, in a world where Potomac is such a mess because they won't interact. This was so fucking fun. Like Sutton, credit to Erica for like, while I'm, I'm team Sutton on like their arguments, like as angry as she has been at Sutton in recent years and even took Garcelle to a certain extent, like having that interaction and like have, and committing to it genuinely, like I really got to commend because like it, and it come off, it came off very natural and not like forced or anything like that. Um, Erica talks about the Denise stuff and she's like, she needs to stop, like give up the four year beef. Like I did at Kyle's house. Um, and then Garcelle kind of tells Erica about like what Denise had said about some of the specific stuff that she was mad about. Talks about the comment about like, well, if her kids don't already know that they're that you know uh, uh, about threesomes or whatever. And Erica goes, I said they would. I said they know what threesomes are if they haven't or ha- had one already. And it was one of those things where it's like I get Erica's point. Like I I understand she wasn't saying like. She was saying, like, in the age of the internet, kids know about sex. Like, that, right. that was her point of everything. But I also understand in the context of, like, how nasty that whole stuff had gotten. Yes, I do feel like maybe I can understand why someone would take offense to the, if they haven't had one already, extension of that. Yeah. But, like, come on. Stop. Stop acting like kids are just these innocent things. Like, in a world where kids are getting pregnant at 8, 9, 10 years old, come on. Your 14-year-old knows what a fucking threesome is. Yeah. Erica goes, at some point I had to say I turned the page. So when I saw Denise, I said, I don't want to go there. I've left it behind. And you were kind of like, okay, but that's not on you, Erica. That's not. Denise doesn't have to move on just because you've decided to move on. Like, you kind of have to move on together. Um, 
son goes, I'm scared after Friday. Lent, you know, Lent is over on Friday. And I'm like, oh, is that really going to be the thing? Is that like now that Lent's over, Erica's going to just be old Erica again? Yeah, I, I'm hoping so because... Um, <laughs> You're hoping so? Erica is, is good when she is activated in the right direction. Sure. Like, I have always been someone who has loved Erica. And while I didn't, I didn't always agree with her actions during the whole thing with Tom, I could always at least empathize and understand where she's coming from. Yeah. And so I'm just glad to see her on the other side of that. And hopefully out of the clutches of Kyle. Right. That's, that's my big thing. Um, and I, I think without Rinna there, like without yeah. Rinna there, Erica seems much more like open. Yeah. And I think, yeah, I think Rinna leaving solved a lot of issues. Um, they still, they just keep drinking lychee martinis and they're just, we just see a compilation of them just getting drunk and just like laughing with each other. Sutton jokes like, I look like a baby. And Garcelle goes, baby Yoda. And Sutton goes, you're such a bitch. <laughs> then randomly Erica goes, did you know it's $7 for a naked bundle of Denise Richards on OnlyFans? I I really want to know the lead up to that. I don't think there was any. Like, seemingly. Just and Bob drop. Garcelle jokes in her confessional, seems a little low for Denise fucking Richards. How about $10? <laughs> Which, yeah, I'm like, I agree with it. It's like, I'm fine with Denise being on OnlyFans, but it's like, hike your price up. Jesus Christ. Like, What was the name of this restaurant? Classic Cat. That is the same place, Lala. I knew it. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I love that. <laughs> My fucking investigative team over here. <laughs> Anyways. But like, like, yeah, it's like, I know gay men on OnlyFans who have like, ha- like 4,000 followers on Twitter who charge more for OnlyFans than that. Yeah. Like, come on, Denise. You can, you can do better. Um, well, but to be fair. She charges $12 for the subscription. And then you have to pay more. And then you have to pay more for an uncensored fully. Like any, I think like actual nudity, nudity. Right. Which is what she was talking about with needing the $7 to buy the bundle, which means Erica also subscribed. Right. You know what I mean? Like For her to see that. Um, Garcelle jokes like, who's driving? And Sutton goes. You know, I always have my driver that I like. And Garcelle goes, the driver that you made out with? Oh, I'm sorry. And Erica goes, bitch. (laughs) Son goes, I'm going to kill you. I'm going to choke you with that necklace. (laughs) Which starts very fun, but then we'll progress. We'll get to it. Um, Everyone's getting ready for Taco Tuesdays. Um, Dorit really not trying in the fashion department, I felt, with this like white sweatshirt that just said 90s supermodel on it. Which had a big old stain on that she it. That's a tight stick. It's like, oh no, D- grab something else. Yeah, um, Anna Marie's not at the Taco Tuesday because she's in Hawaii. Which I was like, thank God. Like I'm, Jeez. this went so great without Anna Marie. Also, can, can I just have a side rant for like two to three minutes? Sure. Dorit, buy clothes that fit you. Oh uh, yeah. Buying these over clo- oversized sweatshirts just because they're cute and fun and it's nice to have it. Dra- this is why plus size people cannot find clothes in their size. That's a good because point. Tiny bitches like you want to go out and get a two X or a three X and go. Oh my god, look how cute it looks in me. It's like a sweater so- dress, right? No, fuck you. 
That is a plus size woman who now can't buy something that she wants to wear that actually fits her body because you want to wear something oversized. Get over yourself and buy something that fits. Dorit in her bubble on multiple regards. We'll get to it. Um, Sutton, oh, Sutton's getting her makeup done and she's looking at Denise's OnlyFans and she's like, oh lord, oh my <laughs> like, I mean <laughs> yeah, it was really great um, Denise is in the car with Garcelle driving over and Garcelle says that she had told Denise basically what Erica had said because she's just like, I just wanted to get out on the table and we can move forward. Garcelle is so fucking good at like, setting like, she's she's a producer as much as Kyle is, but I feel like she does it so much better yeah, like it's really fucking good um so Dorit and and Kyle are driving in the same car together. Dorit jokes, "How come I didn't know about all these movies and things that you were doing?" And Kyle goes, "I mean, I I think I just forget to tell people." Which she totally told Morgan, like you know. Oh yeah. Um, Dorit goes, "I kind of feel like an afterthought." Well, I guess I have to put your initial on my body for you to actually care. And like Kyle's laughing, but Dorit's like serious about it. And she talks more in her confessional, like how she isn't really invited on like Kyle's trips anymore. And they used to hang out all the time, but now Morgan's kind of like replaced her in certain ways in that regard. I wonder when that swap happened. Because they didn't <laughs> seem that like that was an issue last season. Well. So has it only changed since Dorit and her had the falling out of the reunion. Yeah. I well, But also the Kyle thing. Well, here's the thing. I didn't realize. I think she met Morgan before that. She said she's been friends with her for two years. For two. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. I also didn't know. Um, Emily from She Speaks Barbara pointed out. I also didn't realize that the death of her friend, um, Loreen, happened before the reunion. So that also, I think, puts certain things into context. I don't give Kyle a pass for the most part in certain things, but I, I did think that that was strange, that, that it recontextualizes sort of how Kyle was at that reunion in certain ways. Right. I still think the way she handled the Kathy stuff was fucked up, divorced of that, but. Right. Because she was already handling it fucked up before that. Right. But then Kyle gets into it in her confessional. She goes, the reason I haven't reached out to Dorit as much recently is because I really felt disappointed in her. In private, Dorit had been saying to me, I feel so bad with what you're going through with your sister. And she was supportive and on my side. And then we were all together. It was a different tune. That doesn't feel like a friend to me. Well, Kyle, that's because you have a warped definition of what a friend is. Your idea of a friend is somebody that strokes your ego and supports you and is your minion essentially because Dorit was being a friend to you at that reunion. I don't love to give Dorit credit, but you kept going into that reunion saying, I need to fix things with Kathy. I need to fix things with Kathy. And it was getting to a point of the reunion where there was such an impasse where you weren't listening. To, I, you could say not listening to each other, but the, definitely you were not listening to Kathy saying, these are the reasons that I was upset. And these are the reasons I'm feeling this way. And Dorit had that moment where she's just like, she just wants you to hear her or whatever the fuck she said. And Kyle snapping at her and going, I want you to stay out of this. Right. Because it was requiring you to take some ownership in it. Yeah. That's why you were mad. That's why you snapped at her. Yeah. And nothing, what you say here that Dorit told you that, you know, I feel so bad for you. You know, I'm supportive of you and I'm on your side. Nothing of that is different than what Dorit did at the reunion. Yeah. Like my best friend, uh, Bethany. Hi, Bethany. It's her birthday today. Um, Her and I have a rule in that if somebody is adamantly for something, 
and the other one feels very much like they're making a mistake. Yeah. They bring it up once. We have a good, in-depth conversation about it. We hash out all the pieces. And if we still disagree, we leave it alone. Right. And then there's no, there's no love lost. Because I know that at the end of the day, she's not attacking me. I'm not attacking her. We're looking out for each other. We have each other's backs. Right. And we are trying to protect each other from a perceived threat. That is, and maybe we're wrong because we have distance. She lives on the other side of the country from us. We haven't lived in the same city for the last eight years. So, like, we are not in each other's lives on a day-to-day basis. But we still protect each other as much as we can. You know, like, if she has a problem with something I'm doing, she brings it up, we hash it out, and then we go on. Because that's what friends do. We call each other out on shit. We say, you're not doing this correct. You're making a wrong decision here. This is a problem. And if you can't handle your friends holding you accountable, or if you're not comfortable holding your friends accountable, you are not friends with that person. Yeah. Or you need to work on yourself to an extent to where you are able to get to a point where people can hold you accountable. Right. And that's not something that you feel is an attack. Right. Um, we get go to Crystal as she's getting ready for Taco Tuesday. You were pointing out that steak that she was looked dry and like the not- inside looked like it was cooked to perfection, but the outside looked like a charcoal briquette. I and here's the thing: I normally love Crystal's cooking. Like I've I've seen some of her like sort of she she's like dabbled in like sort of like Instagram content of like sort of like I'm throwing a dinner party, like kind of like Ina Garten esque like oh, sort yeah. of vibe. I was about to say, how many dinner parties have you been to that? I haven't been invited to. I mean, I haven't tasted it, but like, you know, like I love, I I think she actually has an eye for certain things. This, I was like, I don't know. Um, But uh, some people like the overly done outside of a steak. And I'm like, how? No. How? Again, it's like charcoal. It's It's like. And it doesn't, you, you can't make charcoal taste good. At the end of the day, it just tastes like charcoal. Yeah. That's not yummy. That is not under the yummy umbrella. Right. Um, guests then start arriving, um, including Crystal's friend Nia, who uh, is actually the wife of Bill Burr, the comedian. A lot of people are calling for her to be on this cast. Can she take Anna Marie's spot? Yes, please. Jesus Christ, she's good. Also, Bill Burr is great. She's she, a yeah. great comedian. I also I I I only know her. And I only know her because people were tweeting about it from the episode. There's this great shot of uh, she was at a UFC match and um, Donald Trump, I hate saying his name on this podcast, comes in at one point and there's a great picture of her like flipping him off from behind, which is fantastic. She seems great. And she also kickstarted all this drama that happened. We'll get to it. It was fantastic. Um, uh, Dorit uh, says in her confessional, I'm always surprised with how many friends Crystal has. I mean, I know it's that number minus 14, but still, Dorit doing the digs. And I, it's housewives, so it's like, do the digs. I laughed. It was funny. Right. But it was like... I mean, I made the joke, the same joke earlier in this podcast. But she definitely smiles in front of Crystal's face a lot of the time. Yeah. And like, I find it so weird that they're paired on the after show together. Yeah, especially because they've already argued on the after show. Yeah. And and Crystal's made some digs at Dorit, too, as well, in the confessionals. So it's like, I don't understand their relationship. Well, but who else would Dorit be paired with? That's a good point. Maybe Anna Marie, but, like, I don't know. 
Um, Anna Marie needs help. <laughs> Anyways, um, they're just talking, and, and Nia like casually brings up like you know going to like Magic Mike uh, offhandedly. Dorit then takes the opportunity and goes. One of the girls that's coming tonight had an absolute meltdown in the middle of the show. Just unprompted out of nowhere, she says Which this. is not what happened, but okay. And then Nia goes, why? And Dorit goes, I would love for you to ask tonight. So, like, it's not even good. Like, like in terms of, like, execution. It's, like, so blatant what you're doing, Dorit. Yeah. Uh, and but again, it's not about embarrassing Sutton. We don't want to embarrass Sutton. We would never do that. We would never try to embarrass Sutton. Um, they it's fifty five degrees outside in L A. And I love that they're all just complaining about the cold. Erica, when she immediately she walks in, she goes, "Hi, why is this outside?" <laughs> she goes, "I don't want to get sick." <laughs> it's literally forty degrees outside. Well, I mean, it's less than that now. It's like thirty something now. But when we were getting ready to come to the studio to record this. Yeah. I was like, do I really want to put socks and shoes on or can I put on flip-flops and be okay? This is the fucking again, Texans in in Pittsburgh. This what ha- this is what happens. <laughs> it's like do I have to put on socks and shoes? I hate socks. It's so much effort. I used to wear like basketball shorts in like 40 degree weather when it was like down as low as it was in Texas and I had people be like, "Are you okay?" I'm like, "Yeah." <laughs> yeah. Um Denise is talking to Dorita at the bar and she goes, that night when I got home, I had like a fever of like over 102. And Dorit goes, oh, no. But then in her confessional, she goes, if you say so, Denise, sure. Fever. Nothing else. Yep. I actually, you were made a good point where it's like, that actually makes kind of sense. Because Dorit, Denise has been saying in interviews she only had one drink. Yeah. Going into that dinner, which is hard to believe when you see how she looked. But if it was in combination with, like, other stuff that she was taking because she was sick. I have been really sick the last week, and it culminated last night in, like, the worst night I've had in my life, pretty much. And if I had had a drink on top of that, I probably would have died from dehydration. Yeah. Or at the very least had to go to the hospital. Because I think, I, I honestly think that as dehydrated as I was, I probably should have maybe gone to the er oh no and gotten a gotten an iv i probably should have um but we don't have insurance because we're poor um so but you know what i mean like if i had had a drink on top of being that sick i would have been right there where denise was yeah that's fair you know what i mean like you're slurring your words you're not understanding what you're saying you're not you start getting a little bit paranoid. All these things. Yeah, yeah. It stacks. Anyway, um, Sun then arrives. I I did not understand this shady fucking confessionals from these other women. I thought this was the best Sutton's looked in like three years. This dress was gorgeous, and just because they can't imagine wearing this gorgeous dress at fifty five degrees outside, it was still kooky to a sense because it had all those like very like. They were all butterflies, but they were, like, almost a little, like, 3D, a little bit. Like, they were, like... Um, well, they were they were attached at the body, but the wings were, were three-dimensional off the dress. But it still looked very beautiful. Like, it was yeah. one of those things where it wasn't just, like, a kitschy thing. Like, yeah, it was very much a spring garden dress. I thought her hair looked great. Yeah. Like, and, but during the confessional, as far as the fashion goes, I don't know what you're going for. And what memo you got? It's taco... Tuesday. What does that mean? No one's dressed for Taco Tuesday here. 
was she supposed to show up in like some cultural appropriation, like poncho and sombrero? Also, Erica looks like she's Barbie. Also, like, you wore a sweatshirt that's forty times too big and a leather uh, mini skirt that's like three inches lower than your hoo-ha so i don't want to fucking hear it kyle said she looked like little bo peep and i'm like girl in what were little bo peep wore cap sleeves and a big like hoop skirt Th- this is nothing what are you talking about it's, it, it's so bitter sorry um sutton uh they're talking sutton eric and dorit are talking and sutton's like you know avi who you're not hiring Talk to Dorit and Dorit goes, I didn't try to poach him. Cut to her literally trying to poach him. Going, Avi, can I steal you from Sutton? And then I loved Avi. side-eyeing the camera. (laughs) I love people being like, he wants to get away from Sutton so badly. No, he was saying, she can't buy me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because we've seen their finances. (laughs) They owe so much to the U.S. government. Yeah. But then Dorit gets, it's, it's all jokey, like, right? But Dorit gets, like, offended by this for some reason. She goes, are you going to stop accusing me of things that I'm not doing? Okay, did you have to take it to that level? But then Sutton's like, okay, I'll go to that level. Sutton goes, are you going to stop accusing me of putting vodka in my coffee? Which, like, get her. Dorit goes, I don't know if you put vodka in your coffee. Sutton goes, I don't drink coffee. And Dorit goes, well, there you go. But it wasn't an accusation. Yes, it was. (laughs) Like, what are you doing? Like... She is. I I want to see how she's tri- going to explain this at the reunion because she's going to triple down. You know she's going to triple down as if like Crystal misinterpreted it. Well, see, when we see it with our own eyes. Well, what I want to happen is for Sutton to come back with, well, we don't know if you were robbed at gunpoint. Yeah. We don't know that. We don't know if all your jewelry was stolen. We don't know if your children were upstairs asleep. When this was happening. I figure you'd be some kind of person who would lie about that. Let's see how that sounds. Considering the fact that you still have your wedding rings. Yeah. Um, Erica is talking about how they had this really great night with like Sutton and Garcelle. Dorit goes, I'm hearing about this fabulous night you guys had where I wasn't invited. Oh my God. Why? Like Dorit's just coming in and just like, like she's asking for all the smoke and she's getting it. When we get to the point where it's like, everyone's firing at Dorit. I was like, you've earned it. Cause your attitude is so stank right now. Well, and it started with Kyle in the car. Cause she accused Kyle of not including her. Yeah. On all of these other things. And instead picking, that's what all of this is, uh, is about, by the way, she's jealous of Morgan. Yeah. Erica goes, it was funny. Garcelle told on how Sutton made out with the driver. And, like, Sutton pulls a face, and they're all, like, pulling a face about it. Erica goes, oh, I said that out loud in front of everybody. And Sutton goes, yes, you did. Like, joking. Here's the thing. Erica does say it out loud, quote, unquote. But it's clearly the only people that heard this were Garcelle, who was sitting across, and then Dorit. Right. And Sutton. Like So the the only new person was Dorit, who... Maybe they're not on the greatest of terms, but she at least knows her. Yeah. It wasn't like this, like, big moment, essentially. She didn't walk up to a stage, tap on the mic, and go, Hey, uh, by the way, everyone, <laughs> Sutton made out with her driver. Have a good night. Yeah. Uh, Dorit goes, You made out with one of your drivers? And Sutton goes, Accidentally. Maybe I did. <laughs> Accidentally. <laughs> it was just okay. a make, it was just a makeout session like they would do in like happy days. It's like oh my god. Well, and then I hated how 
Sutton or how Dorit was like, you have to make that unsexy. No, it's charming. Have you watched Happy Days? Literally, what's his name was like a sex icon who jumped the shark. Right. Like, I I don't. The Fonz is like an icon. Like, you can't. Also, there's something charming and nostalgic about and a little chaste about it, you yeah. know. That's like it's not overtly sexual, but there's still some sexiness involved. Like it's very much like an idyllic. 50s. She's, and and, and something saying it wasn't like a fucking like we like jumped on each other and like it was like a romantic ish kind of like thing. like she wasn't going to town on on the family jewels or anything. Yeah, it, it was uh, everybody's hands are above the waist sort of thing. Right. What did you think? This bit with Kim and her scarf, when she's like got a napkin in it, and she's like, yeah, sometimes I just need like a dab. Do you want a dab? Do you want a dab, I, Kyle? I think she was just playing along with it because Kyle had Kyle was trying to make her look like the the silly person. Sure, like you're an unserious human being, like Kyle always does with Kim. Sure. Um, well, kind of did it with Kathy too. Well, yeah, because if they are silly and unserious then their accomplishments don't matter. Yeah. And therefore, Kyle is the best sister. It always comes back to that. Sure. Always comes back to that. Um, But yeah, she was just trying. And then Kim was just playing into it because she's tired of the bullshit. She's tired of Kyle treating her like that. So she's like, no, there's logic to this. Fuck you. Yeah. I'm not making you, I'm not going to sit here and let you make me look stupid or silly or like I'm crazy. I I just keep it there to wipe my mouth on. Sure. Fuck you. (laughs) Fuck you, Kyle. Uh, Dorit uh, is then whispering to Garcelle. Uh, She goes, I'm so annoyed. Crystal is like drumming up shit to get Sutton and I at each other. No, she's not. She just, Bitch, where? She's just telling her what you said. Garcelle, but the, Garcelle whispers back, I'm surprised she's actually talking about something. So I guess there is sort of this idea that like Crystal doesn't say much, but like whatever. That's what I'm saying. It's come up on the show and before anybody could see the show, somehow it got out to... Jeff, what's his name that I can't ever remember his last name? Oh, Jeff Lewis. Lewis. Yeah. I always want to say Jeff Bridges, and that's not it. No, I need to. I need you to watch Flipping Out. I need to show that to you. Okay. It's a great show. Um, Dorit says, uh, like, the few times that Crystal talks, she's always stirring the pot. And then they flash back to the fucking dark comment stuff from last season. And I'm like, okay, but that's but that was a fit. Like, Crystal did fuck up with that because there was no dark comment. Everything Crystal's saying that you said, Dorit, you said... Right. What do you like? Like, no. Like, it's not the same thing. Um, Sutton tells everyone that her horse got her his new apartment, and Nia goes, "A barn." And Sutton goes, "Well, I call it an apartment." <laughs> uh, funny. And then Nia just randomly then brings up, "So what happened in Vegas with the Magic Mike show?" And I'm like, "Oh, she's just finding a way to slip it in there." Like she was like, "I found my opening. I'm taking it." Sutton goes. I didn't like the leg spread with the man's head. Nia goes, but this was, here's the thing. Nia was being messy. Yeah. But the way she handles it afterwards is great because Sutton says this. And then Nia really goes, Dorit, we're getting the story right now. Right. No, basically outing Dorit. Uh (laughs) That she set her up to it. It's perfect. It's so good. And Dorit, you could tell Dorit was gooped by that. (laughs) Gagged, gooped. 
Sutton going off. I don't know why I have to explain myself. Some people don't like mustard. And I'm not going to ask you 80 times a day why you don't like mustard. And Garcelle goes, does Denise not like mustard? Because Sutton's like, just drink the Denise. I, I, Garcelle, you know she's just, it's an example. Shut up. I get she's kooky and it's a crazy metaphor, but it makes sense. It all makes sense at the end of the day. Sutton goes, Basically, I ruined the whole night. So thank you for asking. I appreciate that. Like, <laughs> kind of snippy. And then Garcelle, Garcelle, again, picks it up great. She asked Nia, how did you know about it? So good. Garcelle, the way Garcelle is just on top of everything. Yeah. Nia says that the girls told her. Uh, Sutton goes, I was just uncomfortable. And Dorit goes, honey, you had $50 bills that you were flashing. I can see that you were, you know, I could see that you like shoving them in there with some guy. And everyone starts laughing. Sutton goes, y'all are laughing because that's the last thing that would happen. And Dorit goes, you made out with your driver. So not the same thing. So not the same thing at all. And also, again, I agree, was designed to embarrass Sutton. Yes. There was... Like, to say it to the group like that. Also, can we go back to the Magic Mike thing for, like, three seconds? Right. Have you never gotten yourself into a situation that you thought you would enjoy and then you found yourself uncomfortable? Sure. Duh. That's what happened. That's fair. Like, you can easily go into a situation and go, okay, this will be some, this will be fun, this will be great. And then you get there and you're like... Oh, I'm not reacting to this how I thought I would. Yeah. Oh, I'm uncomfortable. I feel very out of place. I like your anxiety spikes. When you think like, oh, I can ride this roller coaster, and then it's like a fucking nightmare. I've never had that thought. I, I had hate it, roller I had coasters. It, I had it once and never again. <laughs> I hate roller coasters. Um, but like, yeah, of course you've had those situations because that is human experience you misjudge a situation you get there and then you understand firsthand that you don't like this thing that you thought you were gonna like that's normal yeah and she decided to remove herself from the situation rather than put herself through that continued anxiety right and also if it's the again going back if it's the thing that you just think that she was jealous that she didn't get called up then stop poking her about it. Also, I don't That's think she was thing. jealous. I thought she was hurt. Right, right, right. Jealous or hurt, whatever you want to call it. It's a mean thing to do to then keep poking her about it. Right. But that's all these girls know is how to be mean. Yeah. Gar- when Dorit says the whole, you made out with your driver in front of everyone, Garcelle goes, oh my God. Okay, hold on. That was between me, Erica, and Sutton. And now I feel like you're saying it to embarrass her. And Sutton goes... Sutton tells Dorit, my driver has become my friend. And Dorit's like, I did not say it, like, judgmentally. Bullshit. Uh, Fuck you, Dorit, because clearly you did. Clearly you thought it was low class to make out with a driver. Yeah. Because you're making the comparison of, like, putting dollars in a stripper compared to making out with your driver. Sutton then goes, then why did you bring it up? Dorit goes, first of all, and Sutton goes, why did you bring it up, Dorit? Why'd you bring it up? Why'd you bring it up? Dorit's like, we were going back and forth. Why did you bring it up? Why did you bring it up? Answer my question. Dorit goes, stop asking the same question and not waiting for an answer. Well, the problem is, Dorit, you're not answering 
You're refusing to answer. You're dancing around it. And you're hoping that nobody will notice that you never actually provided an answer, which is the same fucking shit that Kyle was doing when she was giving the name them. Sure. I saw some people being annoyed by this. That, that this is not Yeah, fuck a, them too. Sure. <laughs> to give them, the, to engage it. That, that Sutton keeps doing this whole like cutting people off sort of thing in that thing. I think it makes sense with Dorit because Dorit always tells this fucking like, you know, weaving 30 minute fucking story instead of fucking like actually saying the shit that is being asked of her. It's like, this is not the time for you to debut your, you know, 10 act play inspired by Shakespeare. Right. This is time for you to give me a one sentence answer. Yeah. Dorit goes, it was in jest. It was playful. And uh, Garcelle goes, it just seems like you were saying it to embarrass her in front of all these women. And Sutton goes, she was. Dorit goes, you should also, to Garcelle, she goes, you should also give people the benefit of the doubt. And Garcelle, I love Garcelle goes, who's the people? <laughs> Dorit goes, me. But here's the, th- like, this is my problem. Like, the, the concept of things like benefit of the doubt, benefit of the doubt is earned. Right. And it's you, based on a pattern of behavior. And you haven't earned it. And to me, and Garcelle doesn't know that. Maybe she does because maybe Sutton talked to her about it. I think maybe Sutton talked to her about it. But, like, I didn't give Dorit the benefit of doubt on this because I had just watched a couple episodes ago when Sutton invited her to have the uh, the thing with Alessandra, the matchmaking, like, sort of session. And the, the way Dorit took that moment to just embarrass Sutton again and sort of be like, well, she's not in tune with herself. And she's not in touch. And she can be very snippy and, but, and, and very mean and not listen to people. Like, she was embarrassing her in that moment right. to this fucking stranger. Yeah. So by the whole idea of, like, a benefit of the doubt, I don't give it to you, Dorit. Yeah, the whole point of a benefit of the doubt is saying, you know, this action is out of character. It's out of alignment with who I know you to be. So I'm going to give you the benefit of doubting that that's what you mean. Right. I'm going to doubt that you meant to be hurtful here. That's what benefit of the doubt means. So I can't give you the benefit of the doubt when this is aligned with everything you've done in the past. Yeah. Dorit uh, says her confessional that she basically thinks that Garcelle is calling her out and not Erica because it's just an excuse for Garcelle to take it out on her because she's like she's always had a problem with me essentially or whatever which I don't again I I think there's a difference to how Erica did it even though maybe Erica was being messy too but again Erica didn't say it in front of the entire fucking group like that right and Erica was had access to that joke yeah because she was right because she was there for it Garcelle, uh, Garcelle then apologizes to Sutton for telling it to Erica because she's, she goes, I didn't know it was going to bring up all of this basically. Right. And then Dorit goes, but we're having a good time. And Garcelle goes, if you have to say it like that, we're not having a good time. Yeah. (laughs) Which I thought was a great. Sutton's clearly not. And then it turns because then Dorit goes, I'm saying it because you just attacked me. And then Garcelle goes, I did not attack you. Calm down. Calm down. I did not attack you. And and Dorit goes, it felt like an attack. And Garcelle goes, this girl. And it's like, and Garcelle then lays it out in professional. She goes, Dorit lives in a bit of a bubble. It just triggers me. We live in a world now. We're aware. We're woke. Whatever you want to say. And I feel like she's not in that world. And yes, to say, again, Gar- what is hap- what happened leading up to that between Garcelle and Dorit is no different than Kyle or Erica or whatever. But Dorit would never use the word attacked like that. Right. 
It's it's when it's Garcelle, it's attacking. When it's anybody else, it's a you know argument that we're having on this show. Right. And and that's a fucking problem. Yeah. Um, Garcelle tells Dorit, just for the record, I didn't attack you. We were having a conversation, and Dorit goes. Okay, but it felt like you were suggesting that I was deliberately trying to hurt her. And Garcelle goes, I wasn't suggesting. I actually said that. And Dorit goes, exactly. And Garcelle goes, but that's not an attack. Right. That's my opinion that I'm expressing. Calmly, I might add. Yeah. Dorit goes, Garcelle. Okay. What's a good word? What's a better word? being all the fu- fucking defensive and then Garcelle goes I don't know what the good word is but I feel like for you and your privilege I can't yeah and everyone just goes silent because they know what's happening Dorit goes what does that mean and then of all people I this was the biggest plot twist in a while with housewives to me Erica jumps in and goes it means you're white and the words are different they have different connotations they have different meanings Erica standing up for Garcelle in the topic of like microaggressions. Now, I do want to point out that being a good ally, scratch that, being a good accomplice, um, is not something you should get praised for. No, 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 no. I and this not, is like the bare minimum. It's not really praise, even. It's just shock. But yes, I. But honestly, out of everybody on this cast, Erica's the probably the white person I would expect. Uh, Sutton, while I say agrees, I don't expect Sutton in this moment to say something. Right. I kind of feel like Erica, as as far as the white people on this cast, yeah. would be the person to say something. Crystal might have also said something. Sure, but I, but that's but Crystal's also a person of color. I think the issue is that like Erica really seemed before this to always fall in that camp of like the Rena camp again right of like well we can't say anything to garcelle without looking like we're racist and like and even Rena like explicitly posted that like right before she left the show and it's like it's it's it so doesn't get the fucking point yeah and like it's it showcases that you don't actually like care about like what garcelle is saying and like want to learn from it in any ways but well, but I will say Erica has always seemed like the lowest member of the F- Force Fox Five, five for Fox Force Five, the Fox Force Five. She's always seemed like the lowest member. Sure. Um, and she really only aligned with them out of convenience. In, Probably. In that, the other side of the cast was holding her accountable for Tom and all of that stuff. And really, before that, she was kind of aligned with them, but kind of really neutral. She had her moments, like, with, like, Kyle and Teddy and stuff like that, where she kind of talked back and stuff. And so now that Rena, who was her closest person in that group, is gone. Yeah. Fuck it. She's kind of switched sides at this point. Sure. The way that Dorit, after Erica checks her in the moment, goes, um... Okay. Like, it was very much the reaction. She didn't expect it. And she- it was very much the reaction of, um, that's not the plan. Like, the plan is to, like, you know, make it about how Garcelle's calling us racist, and that makes her bad. I'm I'm sorry. On page 63 of my script, it says... <laughs> yeah. And Erica in the confessional goes, the word of attack has a different meaning when it's coming from a white woman to a black woman. It just does. 
I don't think Dorit meant to hurt Garcelle, but it does hurt Garcelle. Right. Like, whether your intention doesn't matter. Right. Your intention only matters in as far as it as it takes to repair the damage. Right. It does not change the, the, the damage. Yeah. Gar- Dorit goes, Garcelle, I am very, very sorry that I triggered a nerve and I've offended you or upset you or any of it. And I would love to have a conversation with you about it. And Garcelle goes, I'm good. I'm good. And she goes, no, Garcelle, honey. And Garcelle goes, no, I'm good. I'm not here to educate you. I'm not. And I get why Garcelle is over it. Yeah. Because this isn't the first time. She's been on this show for four fucking years. Yeah. And I would also remind people who are being like the, like maybe being like, oh, well, Garcelle, like snapping at her to not educate her. Last season at the reunion, they had an exact moment where Garcelle was again having to educate them about the idea of microaggressions. And sometimes if you're not around a lot of black people, you may think not realize that certain words trigger certain things and that there's a connotation on certain things. She was explicitly saying it. And what was Dorit doing? Dorit's instinct was not to listen. It was to go, okay, but watch it back. She goes, okay, but like, can you say that? Like, do you believe anyone on this cast is racist? Putting the onus of Garcelle to then say, no, I don't think any of you are racist. Because she's then, because what is Garcelle going to say then? Right. She's backed into a corner on this mostly white cast. And that the agreement is that, then it becomes the agreement is Garcelle is accusing them of being racist. Right. Instead of them taking a list, and when Garcelle is couching it in a learning experience to actually just learn it, and it's not about accusing anybody, it's just about learning more. And the way that you then switch it to make her the fucking bad guy, at this point, you've had multiple times to be educated on this. And I'm not going, I'm not doing it. Well, and also right after that conversation, wasn't there the moment when they were, everybody was all laughing and kicking off to the side and Garcelle's literally sitting there by herself yeah. on the couch in tears? Yeah, about, about the book being in the trash thing. It's like, that's, why would, why is it her obligation to educate you? Dorit then says in her confessional, I have no idea where this has come from. She should know that all she has to say is, Dorit, that word triggers me. I would immediately understand, apologize, and definitely not use that word again in the future. One, no, you won't. You've never, you're, you're the worst at apologizing. You might be the worst housewife of all time at apologizing. Also, you have done, this is, it's not like this just started last season at the reunion. There was also the season before that where there was the conversation about you talking too much and you came at her and used similar language yeah. that that was very loaded against black people. And then there was her first season on – like this has been happening between you and her every fucking season on this show and she has tried. And we know over, it's been brought to your attention. Over and over and over again it has been brought to your attention and you have done nothing but continue – the aggression. But even, th- that's the thing. Even in what you're saying in your confessional, Dorit, you are putting the onus on Garcelle. It is not on Garcelle. She should not have to call you on it. You should hear it come out of your mouth or hear it in your head and go, that's not appropriate. Let me rephrase this. Yeah. There's just awkward silence. And then Kim goes, the bulgogi was great. <laughs> <laughs> Dorit, like, Dorit says, it was a joke. And Denise goes, well, apparently it didn't land well. <laughs> 
Dorit then decides that this is the moment to then bring up the whole Crystal saying the vodka and the coffee thing and like confront Crystal on this. And I felt bad for Crystal. She goes, I'm happy to talk about this. You said like she, and then she's like, I don't want to get this wrong. Like she wants to make sure it's not going to get like, oh, you didn't say this way or whatever. But then Dorit goes, well, it seems like you did already. No, she didn't. She got it completely fucking right. And this is where it's like, I feel bad for, as much as Crystal fucked up the whole dark comment stuff and that was her fault last season. Right. She has, they have created an environment for Crystal where she's not allowed to express herself. Right. And it, and for Dorit to critique her about like, she's quiet all the time until she's stirring up shit or whatever. She's not expressing herself because you got not have given her an environment to express herself. Right. Well, because they, they like gaslight her. And holding her feet to the fire about, like, specifics of wording. Yeah, yeah, As yeah. opposed to the overall gist. And this, like, the same thing happened earlier last season before the dark comment thing. You know, they, there was a thing with Diana when her and Diana went at it early, kind of early on in the season, last season. Um, Who, Aaron Crystal? Yeah. I can't remember the specifics about it, but it was between her and Diana. It was in a group setting, and I think Sutton was involved in it, too. I can't remember. But, but they did the same thing. Oh, it was about um, them getting mad at Crystal using the the word um, uh, about Sutton walking in on Violate. her train. Violate. Like, they were mad at her for using that. She was like, no, that's how I fucking felt. And it doesn't matter what Sutton's intention was. And I agree with her. It doesn't matter. She has the trauma that is then triggered by someone walking in on her like that in a vulnerable position. She felt violated. She deserved an apology. Yeah. 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 I I feel bad for Crystal in that regard. Um, Sutton then does like a monologue. She goes, y'all can talk about me behind my back all you want. I know my life. I know what I've accomplished. I know what I'm going to accomplish. And I know what you can't do in order to accomplish what I accomplish. Continue your little chatter while I take off and y'all are way back there. That's what's going to happen because I'm moving forward at a very rapid speed. <laughs> I love that you wrote that down word for word. It's so good. It's so good. I love a Sutton monologue. Uh, I love Dorit just goes, I apologize to Sutton. And all of a sudden goes, that's your apology? Okay. Because <laughs> it's, I mean, it's like, <laughs> what are you apologizing for, Dorit, if you said Crystal's lying? Yeah. Yeah. Um, Denise goes, I think it just came off like judgmental. Dorit then immediately goes, did you clear things up with Erica? <laughs> the way you can Can see- we talk about someone besides me right now, please? <laughs> Do you, the way Garcelle's face when she says that goes, oh, I see what you're doing. <laughs> like, it's so obvious. And, and it's she so- She went from saying this girl to this bitch. <laughs> and, and Dorit goes again and goes, did you have a chat with Erica tonight? And Erica goes, no, we haven't. And Dorit goes, oh, you haven't? And Erica goes, no, we haven't, Potster. And now Erica's pissed at Dorit. <laughs> For it's like, don't fucking throw it on us. Dorit goes, Denise, do you have anything to say? What are you doing? Like, you're not then going to, like, be the, like, the narrator here. Denise goes, do you, Dorit? And Denise just goes, Jesus, come on. Bring it down a notch. Dorit's, yeah. Dorit's like, well, I'm going to go home and see PK because I haven't seen him in a week. And so, because Dorit's just lost. She just lost this whole night. It's so bad. Um, but then as she leaves, Denise decides to go, 
you know, Erica, I, I did want to have this conversation. Erica goes, I did not want to have this conversation with you. <laughs> <laughs> Denise goes, why? And Erica goes, I think you had the chance at her dinner party. You came in, you had an agenda, you call me a bitch, and I apologize to you sincerely. And then Erica then turns to Kyle and goes, and you called me, what was it, Kyle? A fucking bot monster? And I was like, I, because in, okay, so in the buildup to this season, Erica did like interviews on like radio shows and like podcasts and stuff like that, right? Right. When they keep bringing up the Denise thing, because it was in the news, she mentions over and over again that Denise called her a fucking bot monster. Right. And because it, and it was like, because it was like, oh my God, like Denise was like using the Garcelle stuff to accuse me of spreading the bots about Jax or whatever. Right. That's what I thought it was about. And so I was like, oh my God, like Denise really goes there. But to find out that Denise never fucking said that, because Kyle pulls that out of fucking thin air. Because Kyle told her at Kyle tells Erica at Sons of Vet she called her a dumb bot fuck. Which makes no sense. Denise goes, I never said that. And Kyle, Kyle's like itching her neck because she knows she's caught. Uh-huh. She's itching her neck and she goes, I mean, at, at the bar. And they cut to the bar scene. And no, Denise calls her like a fucking dick and then like something, fucking dick something asshole. Nothing about bots. Dick sucking asshole, maybe? Maybe something like that. And then Kyle in her confession goes, I don't know how I got that confu- confused. And then goes, oopsie. The way I, and, and with a big Cheshire smile on her face. Fucking Fuck Kyle. on purpose. I hate Kyle. Oopsie. Oopsie. Like, it's so fucked up. It's so fucked up. Erica goes, what are you upset about? And Denise goes, first of all, to insinuate that my daughters at 14 years old would have had a threesome, I think it's beyond inappropriate. Erica says, that's not what it was. And says, like, children nowadays have access to everything. And Denise goes, this is about my kids, though. Erica then goes, okay, your oldest daughter is on OnlyFans. She doesn't know. And I was like, oh, we're going down a road. But is she wrong, though? I get that her daughter, well, I think, and also her daughter that she's talking about is like in her mid-20s, I want to say. Like, that. okay. And? Well, I'm saying in comparison to like the 14-year-olds at the time. Okay. And? I I mean, Erica's just like, credit to her because it made a great scene, but I was like, I would not be that bold. What year was this? 2019? The thing happened? Yeah, it would have been 2019 because it was right before the pandemic. Yeah, kids in 2019, 14 years old, they know what the fuck a threesome is. Sure, no, here's the thing. I agree with Erica's original point. Don't get me wrong. That I agree with. I think the bringing up of the OnlyFans thing was like very uh, a, a bold move. Denise goes, that's a fucking low blow. And Erica goes, you came in slurring, inarticulate, couldn't string two words together, and wanted to call me a bitch. What do you think? I'm not going to go on OnlyFans? You think I'm not going to go as low as I can? Have you met me? No. Erica, this is where I was like, yeah, Len's gone. Erica's back. But Erica's great at being a villain like that. And not yeah. a villain, but like sort of like being this way. Denise goes, you are a mean woman. And Erica goes, because you asked for it. Denise goes, no, I did not. Erica goes, then you shouldn't have come into her house acting like a fucking bitch. Denise goes, you shouldn't have acted like a fucking bitch. Erica, what, for four years ago when nobody remembers? 
Which I think I think she means. I hope she means when nobody remembers the fact that like you were drunk off your ass, not that like because we remember from four years ago what happened. Like Pepperidge Farm remembers. Yeah, they were kind of gaslighting. Denise goes, "You are fucking mean," and Erica goes, "I think it's great. I just want to know who's more profitable, you or Sammy?" Wow, that was low. I was with Erica until that comment. I still only hold that one comment against her. But it, I mean, but it's one I, for like, as, as a personal thing, yes. As a housewife's thing. Yeah. That was iconic. Yeah. Um, also, I think she just means no one remembers and that it's not relevant because it happened four years ago. Stop trying to make that shit relevant again. I guess. Yeah. But like, yeah, like we said, that was Erica's episode. Oh, yeah. Erica clocked the fuck in. Yeah. It was fantastic. Love this episode of Beverly Hills. Uh, if you were a Dorit fan, you probably didn't, but that's okay. <laughs> in that case, you, you kind of get what you signed up for. Yeah, that's fair. How have you, how are you been a Dorit fan this long? It's, it's, it's she's a, not changed. It's got, it's a struggle. I <laughs> got to imagine. Um, yeah, but yeah, that was Beverly Hills. We're going to take a quick commercial break. And then when we come back, we're talking the new episode of real housewives of Miami. Don't go anywhere. Well, hello, friends. I'm your pal in the mainstream media. And, and I'm the Riz. And, and you know, Riz, it takes years of strenuous, dedicated training before you're worthy to step inside a professional wrestling ring. But it takes even more time to develop complex, highly astute opinions about professional wrestling. Am I right? That is correct. Yes. And you know where we can find that? Yes. On the wrestling man. That's right. I'm Eamon. I'm Merlin. And if you're anything like us, you live your life out loud. And when it comes to issues of discrimination, inequity, and outright bigotry, we use every platform we have to speak out against systems of oppression that perpetrate violence against marginalized groups. That's why we are so proud to wear designs from the Survivors Know merch store. Their team has created designs that feature unapologetic, empowering, and survivor-centered messaging that range from mild, like accountability is love and toxicity is not on the menu, to a little more spicy, like one of my favorites, fuck your laws, fuck your system, transformative justice now, which has a cute little happy flower on it. Each design is available on a variety of items from t-shirts and hoodies to bags, blankets, magnets, and even stickers. And as more items become available, the options will continue to grow. 100% of the proceeds go back into supporting the amazing work done at Survivors Know to support survivors, workers, and survivor advocates by organizing, challenging the status quo, and creating alternatives to the systems that fail us. Support Survivors Know by shopping today at SurvivorsKnow.Threadless.com. That's SurvivorsKnow.Threadless.com. Sidekick Media Services. We are your sidekick in business for social media, video production, and more. Find out more at SidekickMediaServices.com. Welcome back to Again is MB. Let's head on down to Florida where some old men sign up for a game of croquet and end up getting a peep show on Real Housewives of Miami. Real Housewives of Miami for this week. Um, yeah, this, I mean, this Lisa stuff can, like, sell a full fucking season at this point because it's very compelling and, like, intense and 
But it's a lot. I it, mean, it it needs to, it needs to be like a special, yeah. That is like on its own, and then I never hear about it again. Right. At one point, you were like, "I think you should have taken the season off, Lisa." Honestly, I think for for her own mental health, I do think she should have. But I also think there's some value to exposing all of his bullshit on the show. Yeah. Um. I also think that it maybe puts her in a safer place because she's expected to be places. Right. I don't trust him to not hurt her. Yeah. God, the fact that we're saying that, but like, yeah. But like she showed up on that trip last year with her ribs bruised. Yeah. So like, no, I don't fucking trust him because he's put his hands on her before. Allegedly, allegedly don't sue us. We don't have money. Yeah. Um. But like, of course I don't trust him. Like, I, I just... Mm, yeah, fuck that man. He's, he's the worst. Um, we come back from when they're still eating at Croquet, and they're talking about the article that came up about Lisa spending 10K on Instacart and all that stuff, and about Lisa managing her money. Larsa goes... Jody's not going to give you that same lifestyle because Jody's still talking, you know, taking care of his ex-wife, which is a good point. I thought Lars, God forbid I'm praising Larsa at all. Um, I thought Larsa was making good points about the Lisa stuff. I thought she, I mean, she's been through it. Yeah. She knows what it's like. And, and she has for the most part, seemingly come out of the better side of it. She's shown how you can, I don't know that Scotty was as bad as Lenny. No, 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 no. not, not vengefully by any means. Like it's a, it's a different beast, right? but like in terms of like getting her finances in order, I think, Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah. You know, and that kind of stuff. Um, I mean, why do you think she's going out with Michael Jordan's son? There you go. I mean, you want money. There it is. Um, Alexia goes, all I would want is my guy to at least pay for my car. She has a situation where her ex-husband is alleging that she's planting devices on it. And she tells us she has no other choice but to drive these cars because she has none. So if Jody had such good intentions, he should at least lease her a car, which I understand too. Like everyone here was making good points, I feel. Yeah. In terms of like, and I think the underlying point of what Alexia is saying here is like, you need to get as least codependency as possible with Lenny as possible because yeah. it like the, any, the little bit you do have, he's going to manipulate as much as possible and use against you. Right. And we're seeing it with the car situation. Yeah. I, I love a uh, uh, Gertie just going Toyota Corolla, two ninety nine a month. I don't care. And kind of love going, she's not going to drive that car. Gertie. <laughs> but I get Gertie's point. Cause it's like, Bitch, you gotta lower your standards. Yeah. Like your standards were already low enough to marry Lenny in the first place. They gotta be lower than that, and that's in the basement. Right. And so, so like And when you have two kids. Yeah, like you can't be looking at a six, seven, eight thousand square foot penthouse. Go get you a little bungalow that's twenty four hundred square feet with maybe three bedrooms so that you can have a place for a nanny to sleep over. Right. Save your money. Put as much little money as aside as you possibly can. Get you a little Kia. They're great little cars. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, spend as little as you possibly can. Start shopping at Walmart or Target. You don't need to go to Whole Foods for everything. Right. Julius uh, says, what happens if Jody decides to leave? Look at the bigger picture. It's about the children and how she takes care of them as a mother. And I was like, oh, God. But 
she does bring up a point that I thought at the time. She brings up the fuck cancer party and Lisa showing up even after that whole stuff with the police. And Alexi's like, I mean, yeah, like, that's what I was concerned about. Like, why did you leave the kids at home when they saw what they saw? Right. And we see the flashback of Ale- of Lisa telling the story. She says at one point, like, the mom not only was, like, taunting her, she grabs the son at one point. Absolutely And not. I'm like, I, yeah, I would not have let, yeah. I think it was better to just, like, stay at home at that point. Um. But they're discussing, like, how to broach it because they're, like, at least it's not receptive even for the little that we've tried to, like, you know, broach certain things. Gertie suggests that Larsa should do it. And she's like, look, I gave her the best advice I could. You should not go from one situation to another where you cannot rely on yourself. Nothing to do with hating on Jody. He seems like a nice guy. But, like. But I also kind of understand because it's, like, the only income that she has right now that Lenny does not touch is her housewife's check. Right. So I understand why she would go, no, I have to go to this event. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because this is in my contract. I have to go to events. I, I want I want to know, again, they don't really get to the point of that, and I would love Lisa's explanation of that because if it is something to that degree, I think that makes sense. Well, but they can't talk about it because it's like maybe at the, re- the fourth wall. Maybe at the reunion. This can. is this is more important than your fucking illusion that the cameras aren't there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I I don't care to live in this fantasy world where we just happen to have this magic window into their lives. I know there's cameras. We can acknowledge that they exist. So, like, just talk about it. Talk about the fact that, hey, like, being on this show is the only money that he doesn't have any claim to. Right. I have to keep this job. I cannot jeopardize that because it's the only way I can make sure I'm taking care of my kids. Yeah. I can get that. Then then take your kids somewhere where you can trust those people while you're at the party. And then go get your kids and go home. Like, I wouldn't have left them in that house. That's the thing. Even if I had to bring them to that party and they sleep in the car, like, they're not staying in them, that house with Lenny. Yeah. And I, I would have gotten a court order to make sure he was never alone with them again. Right. Yeah. Lars says, says like, if, it, if tonight happens, like, I'm not bringing it up, but you guys have to start it and I'll help. Which doesn't really prove to fruition for Larsa. Nope. <laughs> we'll get to it. Um, Alexia suggested that Julia should be the one to broach it. And Marisol's like, yeah, I mean, like everyone else has already tried. Like it's your turn now. And Julia's like, okay, I'll, I'll do it. Um, they then get introduced to David. That was a bad idea. Anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They get introduced to David McCoy, who is the chairman of the Croquet Foundation of America to like have them do croquet basically. And then (laughs) I love how he's doing this spiel and everybody's like, oh, that's great. That's wonderful. And it's like. You realize they're already here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They don't need you to advertise the place. <laughs> and then randomly, Alexia, like, spills, like, balsamic vinegar or something on her shirt. And, like, Marisol's trying to, like, get it out. And then Kiki's like, are you playing with Alexia's nipples? I love, <laughs> I love David just goes, all right. <laughs> <laughs> well, then. Marisol's like, it looks like a bird shit on your titty. <laughs> so like again, the nut house is just like in this like really like like I, I love the the comedic element of just like take this like really pristine sort of like you know socially socially hoity toity place and bring these messes to it. Oh yeah, that's like, the best part. 
Yeah. Uh, they then uh, try to play croquet a little bit and shoot through the wicked uh, to like get points. Gertie goes, we're ready, bitch. Oh, sorry. Gentlemen. <laughs> and they keep cursing. Like, they can't stop cursing. <laughs> like, the whole time. It's like, get over yourselves. Like, not the women. I, I hate places like that that are like, you're not allowed to curse. No, fuck you. Yeah. How about that? Fuck you. <laughs> Fuck you and your croquet mallet. Take your croquet mallet and bang it into the floor. How's that? Yeah. Uh, Kiki scores through one of the wickets and she goes, one point for me. Yay. And then starts running. But she's wearing one of those, dre- like the side boob dresses. That's like really, like it's almost like a bib. Yeah. <laughs> like on the top. And her tits are just like all out on the sides. Uh, just flapping in the breeze. <laughs> I can't with her. Kiki's amazing. <laughs> um, Alexia and Marisol go off to the side at one point and they start talking about like the Julia stuff and her meeting with like Marisol's ex and stuff like that. This, I don't know if I agree with Alexia, but I, I was like, again, very shocked at the way in which Alexia was like handling the Marisol stuff. Marisol's like, you know how upsetting it is to me. And Alexia goes, Julia was nice about it. So you can't even be like mad at Julia. Marisol goes, that's digging and pot stirring. Alexia goes, Julia was with Martina. You actually introduced them. That's not sneaky. Marisol goes, it is sneaky. And like, I, again, I'm, I feel like I'm with Marisol on this. Like it's, it's, you, I don't know why Alexia is like on this issue is like, so team Julia on it. But like, I want to see the context because Julia says that she knew this man long before she knew Marisol. Yes. So then why does Julia have obligation to cut off all ties with him just because Marisol and him split up? Well, she doesn't have to cut all ties. It's not that she, I feel like she, she, it's more that she had already cut ties with him. And then recently they got back together when this whole stuff with like Marisol and Adriana is happening. That's the part where it looks weird. Like, I mean, maybe, but we don't know that for a fact. Sure. Alexia goes, see, now you're being Lisa. I'm talking to you and being a friend right now, and you're not seeing that. And Marisol goes, stop. You're not being protective of me, and I don't think it's cool. And, like, and it's so weird. Like, I agree with Marisol on the argument, but I also think that, like, Alexia's needed to have this moment where she checks Marisol to a certain extent. Right. And, like, you know, and Marisol is like, I need you. You need to be my one support person. And I also get having your one support person, like, the one person that, like, you can will have your back no matter what, so to speak, but not in spite of their own right stuff. Like, I just, I think that Alexia needed to check Marisol because Marisol has a tendency to, if you disagree with her on anything, then it's not just that you disagree. It's that you are attacking her and you are, you have these plans against her and you're trying to take her down. Yeah, Like, it's never just a, we have a different point of view. And that's what Alexia is checking her on. Right. It's like, you need to, to like, broaden your possibilities. It's not always about you. It doesn't always have anything to do with you. These people knew each other beforehand. You don't know why they had this dinner. Stop it. Yeah. Well, it's just, like, to get to a better place. Like, right. You know, I, I understand the desire to get to a better place at the end of the day. Um, they all head back uh, to the villa and then they all are going to a dinner that's like right by the pool and stuff like that. that they have set up. 
Um, Julia, as they're all sitting down, steals Alexia to go to the bar to talk alone. And I'm like, oh, God, she's about to breach the whole, like, lesbian conversation thing. And I'm like, this is where it can go real bad because uh, knowing yep. Alexia. Yep. Julia goes, remember the other day when we said, like, you know, if something's bugging us, you'll tell me, like, the naked truth of it all? Why did you need to ask Todd if you could stay with me in the room? And Alexia goes, oh, I was kidding. Like, I was just joking with you. Julia goes, I mean, like, when I heard that, I was like, you know, because, you know, some people sometimes feel, you know, being a lesbian, you would could be, like, a predator. Alexia goes, oh, my God, no. Like, I would just love all of us to be lesbians, <laughs> which it's like, <laughs> that's such an Alexia response. Yeah. Well, and the thing is, is that it's not just that her saying that. It's when you look back at the at the flashback, because they do a flashback right here. Yeah. Where it shows... Alexia, when that is first coming up, Alexia has this really awkward grin on her face. Right. Like this, uh, sure, uh, yeah. No, I, I'd have to check with Todd. <laughs> that sort of reaction. Yeah. And so I can understand why that there's a lot of body language there that is saying, I'm uncomfortable with this. I'm using Todd as an excuse to get out of this. See, I actually think it's more of an uncomfortability that she would have to tell Marisol she's not rooming with her. Maybe, but there is something that is causing an uncomfortableness and I can understand why it's read that way by Julia. Yeah. Alexia is like, you know, I, it was, it was a bad taste joke. I'm sorry, babe. But like, it's sort of like joking about it. Like, yeah, I meant it. It was a bad joke, but you know, I, whatever. Julia says there, confessional, I have two choices. I can keep pushing her or I can kind of let it go. I know that she got the message and I'm like, Perfect. Exactly. Because at least in it, like, while Alexia was, like, sort of, like, joking and, like, it was sort of, like, still, like, sort of, like, not, like, oh, I'm so sorry. She did say sorry. Right. So it, I, I, I thought this was perfect because I was, like, if Alexia, if Julia keeps being, like, so, you know, like, the issue is that it, like, this is why the, if she kept going, like, right. to explain it and teach to her, and honestly, it wouldn't have gone well. And honestly, Alexia didn't need all that. She understood. She understood exactly where where Julia was coming from, she didn't need her to quote unquote dumb it down for her. Yeah. And I was just like, oh God, it ended well, thank God. Um Alexia oh so they're all at the table still. But Adriana then starts looking to the corner of like the yard and she goes, Oh my God, guys, an alligator and everyone freaks the fuck out. And it's like they're in fucking I Love Lucy. Like Marisol's like on top of the fucking table. (laughs) They're they're literally losing their goddamn minds. But they're right. You don't fuck around with gators in Florida. No. Like, I, I mean, I have friends that live in Florida, and they talk all the time about, you know, gators being out in the middle of the road, being in people's backyards, being in their pools, yeah, all of that. So you have to be very careful about gators. Adria, they will eat you. Adria, I think Adria was just playing a prank, but she's talking to her confession. Like, even if we think it's a gator, we, we have to. Yeah. That's how we do it in Florida. All, she says this, though, in her confessional. I thought her confessional look in this episode was fucking gorgeous. Yeah. That, like, baby blue latex yes. with, like, the... The, her hair, oh, it was so good. Uh, I love Larson at confessional. These feet are money makers. I can't have him <laughs> take off some toes because she sells her yeah. feet pics on OnlyFans. Honestly, uh, though, there's still a market for that. Oh, uh, yeah, unfortunately. <laughs> I love Nicole goes, no more ketamine for you, Adriana. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
So, uh, Nicole tells, like, you know, we were also discussing, like, the last few years for Lisa and how, you know, the last few Mother's Days haven't really been good for her. And then she announces she's doing, like, this big, like, Mother's Day brunch, like, redo for Lisa, essentially, um, which is sweet. Um, then Julia sees this as the opportunity to then broach the discussion. And I was like, oh, boy. Okay. I don't know how. But here's the thing. I think that I think their intentions were right. And I think no one had bad intentions. I just don't know how you broach the conversation, particularly the one about the kids. Yeah. That's hard. She goes, I wanted to say how much we want the best for you and that you can open up to us as much as you want on your terms. Um, and then she's like, I, she thanks her for coming to her opera party. And Lisa goes, I wasn't going to miss it. And Julia goes, and I said, it, it probably took a lot for her to do that because you shared just minutes before that you had to leave this like horror story. Like, were the kids okay? And Lisa's like, yeah, it was bedtime. Alexi's like, he didn't want you to stay with him. And Lisa goes, no, he went straight to bed. Meaning her son. I also think like the other issue was that like, as much as Julia, I don't think was capable of doing it. Once Julia was nervous, everyone else started like then doing it. And then it became feeling like a pile on. Yeah. And so that becomes an issue. Um, Julia goes, Alexia, I, we have the same feeling. We're better mothers than wives. Kids always come first, right? I don't know if that was the language barrier thing, but it was like the way Julia phrased that. I was like, that was like the worst way to phrase that. Yeah. And Lisa goes, always. <laughs> you could tell Lisa's getting annoyed at this point. Yeah. And uh, Nicole goes in her confessional. It's a little rich coming from Alexia. All this judgment about Lisa should have how Lisa should have reacted with her kids. Alexia doesn't like when people talk about her kids and her kids are grown. Yes and no. I, I, I don't know if I agree with Nicole on that because I do think it is different when her kids are grown and they're 30. Yeah. And it's not about like, cause here's the thing. Alexia doesn't need to be parenting them currently other than Frankie, but that's a right. extenuating circumstance. Like it's not the same. I, yeah. I think um, Julia says that, you know, Jody's a great guy, but you know, you might consider like getting your own place. Like, so the kids don't get any more trauma of like losing someone again. If like, it doesn't work. Which I agree. I thought was good. Yeah. And she's like, 100%. Like, I'm not going to jump into, like, some other man's house. Um, uh, yeah. And so she's like, yeah, with Lenny, it's just like, there's always an issue. There's always something. And Alexi, I love Alexi goes, so um, sorry to bother you, which was such a weird way to, like, introduce yeah. this. And then she brings up, so um, Marisol got a Google alert on her phone about this Instacart article. And then Marisol immediately goes, can I just ask if you have a tapeworm? Like, trying to, like, make a joke? No, Marisol. And then Nicole jumps in and goes, well, it's not just, like, groceries. Like, it could be, like, Target, gifts. And then Lisa's just like, I kind of feel like I'm being interrogated right now. <laughs> this is the point that they should have said, we're sorry. We did not mean to feel make you feel this way. Yeah. Drop it. Drop it. <laughs> Abort mission. <laughs> Pull the fucking ripcord. But no, they can't do that. No. Alexia goes, let's go find that gator. Alexia tries to justify and she goes, we're sitting having lunch and she get, gets the Google alert. I mean, it's hard not to like talk about it. And Lisa goes, wait a minute. So this is my question. 
yesterday I'm talking too much and now you want information. So what, what is it? Which I was like, it is a little different. It is a little different, but it was a good clap back on Lisa's part. Yes. And Alexia goes, I mean, we care about your emotions and feelings, but we don't want to talk about Lenny. Lisa goes, but these are triggering my emotions though. Like these articles and all this stuff. And which, yeah, that's, it's hard to separate those two things. It it is, but I I do understand their point. Who was it that said we don't want to talk about Lenny? Uh, Alexia. I understand what Alexia was saying here though, because the point is, yes, we do want to know what you're going through and the things that you're dealing with and all of these motions that he's filing and all of those sorts of things. We don't need to get into the details of it's been a year and it's just been hell and all that. Like that's the sort of stuff that gets really grating and it makes it difficult for people to then support you. Yeah. But when you are coming forward and saying this new thing hit, he's accusing me of doing this, 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 and this. Yeah. Or give us actionable things that we can help. Right. Get like, I don't want to, as a friend, and maybe this is my problem, but I don't want as a friend to feel like I'm helpless to help you. Right. I want to be able to do something, even if that is just taking you out for ice cream, even if that is just, you know, let's go to the park, get your mind off of it. Let's take the kids out to a park for the day. Let's go to Disney World. Let's do something. Or babysitting the kids. Right. Or whatever. Like, you know, something. Let's, hey, whenever you need to go out with Jody, bring them here. Right. Because let's not leave them with Lenny. Let's not do that. Yeah. But she's like, she's like, but these articles are triggering my emotions. And Alexia goes, but don't buy into it, Lisa. Be smarter. Wrong road. Lisa goes, how am I not being smarter? <laughs> and it just gets to a place. Gertie then decides to jump in because we need more people. Gertie is like bringing up the car situation thing. And Lisa, like her driving Lenny's car. Lisa goes, why can't I get my own car? Uh, Alexia goes, did you drive Lenny's car here? And uh, <laughs> immediately Lisa goes, did you drive Todd's car here? And that's what I was like. I agree with Alexia. It's like, yes, but I'm good with Todd. You're not good with Lenny. And Lisa goes, don't get defensive. <laughs> I was like, okay, Lisa, you're being defensive. I do think some of the issue here, though, is that just like if she leaves the house, it is as if she is giving up ownership of the house and can be used that way in court. Yeah. The same thing happens with the cars. Sure. If she stops using the cars, then she is can lose them. Can lose them and lose any financial, you know, gain from having you know what I mean? Right, right, right. Lisa goes, Why are you allowed to ask me questions and I can't ask you questions? And Alexa is like, it's not tit for tat. Gertie's telling Lisa just be receptive. And Lisa goes, I'm being very receptive. You need to be receptive too. And I was like, I hope she was just talking about her, this argument and wasn't saying, Gertie, you need to be receptive about like the Larsa stuff. Cause that's not correct. No, but Gertie's also forgiven Larsa. Sort of. Gertie says later in the episode accept- that she has moved forward and accepted her apology. But she put apology in air quotes. <laughs> Yeah, but I think she's also just like, look, I don't fuck with her, but I'm not causing any more problems. Yeah. Adriana is trying to advocate for Lisa. She goes, she has a right to drive the roles because she, it was purchased while they were married. And Lisa goes, it's marital property. I think, again, it's like it, there's a difference. But, yeah, she has the right to do it. It doesn't mean like, like there's a larger point. And Adriana just says that it feels like it's just a lot of people going at one person and all that yeah. stuff. 
um, Adriana is like, what's she going to do? Get herself a Kia or something? And I love Gertie going, I said Corolla at the thing. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. You, like, I, I understand why, but yes, Audrey- she needs to maintain ownership of that car. But I also understand the idea of just go get you a little, like, you don't need a Rolls. But it's also, okay. this is the Adriana when they were going fucking condo looking, being like, yeah, it's $6.9 million, but that's cheap for my aunt. Yeah. <laughs> like, okay, Adriana, you can stay out on this one. Um, Lisa goes, it seems like I was the topic of conversation today. Gertie goes, yes, you were the hot topic. Everyone had concerns. <laughs> it's like, uh, Gertie. Oh, man. Um, Gertie then gets annoyed that Lars is not saying anything. She's, which... Here's, uh, Gertie says, Larsa had so much to say earlier, and now she's quiet as a mouse. What happened, Larsa? Cat got your tongue? Here's the thing. Yes, I understand that Larsa said that she would speak up and help, but and she didn't. But also, I also understand Larsa contributing here is not going to do anything. No. Because there's already four people in this conversation. Right. It's, she's not going to do anything but make it worse. Yeah. Um, Gertie goes, a lot of us think it could be a fast jump with Jody. And Lisa goes, Jody is great. Don't worry about Jody. Nicole says, Jody is a great presence in your life right now, and maybe he's occupying a lot of the time that could be suited to things more important, like your kids, you, building your brand. Lisa's like, well, that's why we're here. Which, Lisa, here's the thing. Lisa is defensive, but she also was, like, kind of nailing them on certain points where it's just, like, and it was just so difficult for them to, like, sort of, like, get one in to, like, stick. Um. Lisa says her confessional, they're coming for every aspect of my life that makes me happy. My kids, my boyfriend. Like, she's just like, this is fucking <laughs> terrible. Yeah. Um, Lisa, oh my God. Lisa then goes, I don't like the whole dating scene. Like, I like to be home watching Netflix and having someone next to me doing it. I don't want to be going out all the time. And everyone's like, what? <laughs> and I love Alexia vocalizes at the table. Everyone here is making like different faces, so <laughs> yeah, I, I understand the sentiment, but when nobody believes you that you don't want to stay home, I don't believe you either. Marisol's like, I've heard everything at this point. <laughs> uh, Gertie asks if Jody is helping out financially, and like it, which again, I get why she's asking that, but then Lisa's like, I'm sorry, that's an overstep. I'm not talking about that. Yeah. I think I think that's also for legal reasons. Like yeah. she can't say that. Like if because then at that point uh Lenny would not be liable to give as much money. Right. Uh Larsa says in her confessional, there's no way Lisa can take all of these questions that are very hurtful. I think they need to stand down and leave Lisa alone. Correct. But again, it's also convenient of you to say that now yep um gertie says that they were all talking about it and lisa goes well you're all overstepping i don't ask about your finances when did you all become financial advisors and then everyone starts laughing (laughs) i'm glad that it ended like that it landed on a nice enough note yeah where it ended as a from a i know that we're overstepping but we're doing so because we care about you and we're trying to make sure you're taken care of. And it seems like everybody walked away from that conversation with that understanding. Yeah. Kiki says that to her and then they hug and it's, yeah. And, oh my God. But Lisa, her confessional, this feels like a gangbang and not the good kind. And then she goes, not that any would be good, 
because I've never experienced a gangbang and I don't want one. <laughs> <laughs> it was like, you're telling on yourself. Like, you are backpedaling, ma'am. <laughs> and then, oh my God, I thought I was on fucking ketamine because then she goes, I wish I was an octopus so I can like slap everyone at the same time. And she does the slap motion with both of her hands and the editing team puts eight fucking hands and it's like I was on an acid trip. What, what what was it? Acid or ketamine? Well, one of the two. Like, <laughs> like it maybe was, it was shrooms. Who knows? It was like it was too good to where it was like, no, that was too good. You're gonna like scare people. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, they, I mean, it did almost trigger my arachnophobia. Yeah, uh, <laughs> they all head back to Miami, and we see some of the stuff that's going on over there. Gertie's talking to Russell about the trip and everything with Lisa. And but she's like her surgery is coming up, and she talks about wanting to be present, and she's just taking Martinez's advice that she's just going to be selfish, basically, which is like what you need to do in that moment. Like, um, but that she's also overwhelmed by like all the calls that she's been getting and the information, and just consuming everything. And Russell's comforting her, and as she's crying, just really sad. And and you know, obviously rooting for Gertie, knowing the outcome. Oh my god, even sadder in retrospect. We then go to Nicole, and she's. Oh. I know. I mean, weirdly sad, but also hilarious. Like, this scene was a fucking trip. She's going out to dinner with her dad. Well, she's planning to going out to dinner with her dad and his new girlfriend, who they talked a little bit about last season. She's in her 20s, and he's, like, 69. And, like, Nicole's like, here's the thing. Therapy has done wonders on Nicole because she was a fucking saint this whole scene. Oh, yeah. The way she's like, yeah, you know, I'm nervous, but, you know, I'm excited to meet her. And, like, you know, like, she was way, like, positive attitude out the fucking wazoo. Yeah. I couldn't imagine. Um, <laughs> Her dad, Mike, walks into the restaurant and the hostess says hi. And he immediately goes, you're very pretty. Okay, all right. Um, I'm trying not to speak bad because he's also passed away since then. So recently, know, recently. Um, but her his date's not there, and she's like, "Where is he?" And or, where is uh, she? And Mike goes, "She has sciatic nerve. She can't even move from the bed." And do and Nicole's like, "What?" <laughs> like she's like twenty year old with sciatica. I call bullshit. I mean, it's okay if she doesn't want to meet me, but don't hound me to meet her and then be a no show. I, I will say I, I had sciatica issues from my late teens. So okay, I, I it does sound like an older person thing. Like typically, it gets that connotation. Yeah, but yeah. Um. The, the, oh my god, Nicole as, as the waitress is there. She's like, "Do you want a cocktail, Dad?" And Mike goes, "Not really." And then she t- he turns to the waiter and goes, "Vodka on the rocks." It's not a cocktail. <laughs> it's like okay then. Um. Uh, they're talking about like Nicole's like are you sure she just didn't want to see me I mean she did tell Mikey who's her brother she did tell Mikey your sister called me a hoochie mama which they flash back to that scene well. and Mike's like she's not mad at you like I don't know if I buy that They, and then I was so nervous because I, I'm wondering I don't know about why her dad died in, around Thanksgiving this year because she said it was on her Instagram that it was very sudden um, they showed this thing where like they're talking and he kind of just like gets up to go to the bathroom out of nowhere. And, she, and he's like, if she rings, pick it up like the phone. And he, she's like, what? Okay. Um, they go like he, 
he comes back like five minutes later, it says. They sit down and they're talking some more. She's talking about like, you know, I, you know, the therapy sessions I think have really helped us, you know, let go of a lot of stuff. And she's like, and I do realize, you know, I do hold a lot of grudges. And he goes, hold on. And then gets up to go to the bathroom again. Yeah. And she's like, do we have like prostate issues? Like what? And I'm like, oh God, is this what, is this related? Because like the music was also very like, as if we should be like paying attention to this. And it's like, oh no, I don't like that. Like, um, he he sits back down again. It takes like five minutes again. He goes, "This is very unusual. Sometimes when I drink club soda, I have to go to the restroom." And Nicole goes, "Is it your prostate?" And Mike Mike goes, "It's very good. I'm gonna have a kid soon." And Nicole goes, "Excuse me." <laughs> the way she like dealt like, what now? Like, and he just says, "I said." I'm going to have a kid soon Two, not one. You still here or you left. And she just goes, I'm registering. <laughs> it's reminding me of that. Um, have you seen that on TikTok? The The sound that's like, uh, I'm be nice. I, I, is it take you that long? I'm finding it. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. It was very that. She's just like, okay, um, cool. Very cool. Um, and also obviously we're plant me and Anthony are planning on having a kid. So like, how's that gonna work out? Like, so your kids are gonna be my kids' aunts and uncles. Okay. Um, like she's like, again, patience of a fucking saint. I, I can't imagine. Nicole goes, you know, maybe our kids can hang out and they'll be like besties. <laughs> it's like, Jesus Christ. Mike goes, I've never been this happy in my life. Nicole goes, if you're happy, I'm happy. You know, I do know you're older. There's definitely things to consider about being around with them for a long time. And then I'm like, oh God, don't tell me he like got her pregnant and then. I hope not. I really hope not. I really, really fucking hope not. Yeah. Like, that's not, that's not good. Um, Nicole goes, I mean, that would put us at, you at a grand total of what? Like, how many kids? And then he goes, eight. One more and I'll have a whole basketball team. And she goes, wait, what? Eight? Who are the two that I don't know about? My, my question is what led her to ask that? Yeah. Like if you already knew about four. Yeah. And you're not sure at this point. Why would you not say that puts you at what? Six. Yeah. And then she's listing off the fucking, like they're listing off the names of all of them. And she's like, and also the, my one step, which you are, is also the same age as Mikey, which I can't believe my mom, mom kept, you know, you married after you having a child with him while, uh, while she was pregnant. But that's besides the point. Um, and like, listen, and they keep censoring the names. So I love, she's like beep and beep. And then he goes, well, there's also beep. And she's like, who is beep? (laughs) (laughs) But the, the, the two that he mentions that she don't know are like six and eight, like eight and seven, eight and seven. And she's like, they're little ones. Like what? Like, yeah. Nicole goes, this is a lot. Like, I feel like I'm handling this super well. (laughs) I know she's telling herself that. And Mike's goes, well, you're supposed to. That is like the wrong thing to say. He, the audacity, I'm sorry, rest in peace, God rest his soul. I'm not, but the audacity of this man, 
Yeah. <laughs> Again, can can the therapist from last season watch this scene and be like, okay, and Nicole show it to her and be like, think I'm crazy still? Like, <laughs> like, <sighs> maybe maybe she'll talk about it on the reunion because it's only been a month. Yeah, and I it's, I I I, gi- I give her the, all the grace in the world because it's not easy. You know, when you lose a parent at all, but also with these circumstances, it's like, it can't be, it can't be easy. Well, and they were just repairing their relationship too. Yeah. So it's like, it's, it's like all this lost time, right? There's guilt for having cut him off for so long, even though she shouldn't have to feel guilt because she did what she needed to do for her own safety. And even when you are putting it aside. Right. You're getting these fucking things dropped in your lap. Right. Yeah. Um, we see Lisa taking her children. Uh, she's taking her daughter, Elle, to a dance lesson uh, because she's wanting to get her into, like, ballet and stuff like that. She talks about how she got into dance, like, very early as well. She jokes, there was an old video where I said, I should go first because I'm the prettiest. And I'm like, that sounds like Lisa. Yep. That is Lisa in a nutshell. Um, but her daughter, they're dancing and, and learning ballet. But she goes to the side because Adriana's is FaceTiming her. And Adriana asks how she's doing. She goes, I'm good. Well, I'm not really good, actually. <laughs> um, but also, like, you're being, I know you're to the side, but this room I was echoes. Like, get out. I was like, get out of the room. Get out of the room. Like, don't, like, don't say this in front of the kids. Yeah. Like, those kids are hearing you. At least your oldest. The, the little girl, maybe not, but your oldest is hearing you. Yeah. She goes, so I was served a motion by Lenny. It was very disturbing. He's trying to paint me as an unfit mother, and he's trying to take the kids 100%. And Adriana's like, what? Like, ooh. Adriana's like, I'm nearby. I'm going to come to the studio, like, you know, and talk, which is, like, also, like, like she just pulls up her car, and Lisa sits in their car, car to talk with while the kids are, like, inside. Like, I also was like, okay, I get it, but, like, you know. Yeah. And, it, and it's the show, so it's, like, they're not in danger. But, like, um, apparently the motion is claiming that she's, like, abusing prescription drugs or whatever, which is just, like... Like, he's saying that she's abusing Adderall, which and she Klonopin. has... Beca- and Clonopin, which she has a prescription for. Yeah, Adriana's like, you have ADHD, or ADD. And it's like, what the fuck? Like, come on. She's like, the goal is to paint me as the worst person, the worst mother imaginable. He claims I was heard saying I desire illegal controlled substances. And then she just is crying. She's like, I don't know what I did to deserve this. I feel like I'm living in hell and I can't get out. It's like, it was, again, it's like, oh, it's so, it's, I feel for her a lot. Yeah. And then he, she also lays down the confessional, the added part where, and, and, and the important part to call out, I think. She goes, he knows I don't have the funds to keep spending on lawyers. And he's doing this because he wants to hurt me and wear me down. And this is what people in Lenny's position try to do to women all the time. And it's disgusting. Yeah. And that's so fucking true. It's, it, he, and as much as Larsa can say, he doesn't have, to, he can't forge those numbers. He, it's not, it, he wants to throw her through the legal system so much so that he bankrupts her. Yeah. That's really what it comes down to. Yeah. At the end of the day, I, I, I feel live like. Your, it's like, go live your fucking life. Fuck that 25 year old and just leave her the fuck alone. Yeah. Like the, there's no motivation here other than just being nasty. Yeah. I just, I don't get it. 
I don't get it. Adrian tells her, he's a monster. He cheated on you. He left his children for a 25-year-old girl. It's his fault. He's the bad guy, not you. And then, which I'm like, good on Adriana. And then Adriana, I was like, don't take this moment for this. She goes, and let me tell you something I'm really pissed about is the way our friends are questioning you about being a mother. And I'm like, okay, Adriana. Like, this was not the thing to say right now. And also, you're kind of throwing Julia in that boat, which I... Yeah, that was weird. Which I don't know if I love. Lisa goes, if you were concerned, like, why wouldn't you call me? Like, why discuss it amongst everybody and bring it up at the dinner? I understand discussing it amongst everybody. Right. Because... They needed a game plan. Well, but even if they didn't need a game plan, you need to make sure you're not crazy. Right? Right, right, right. Like, I've observed something... Did I just, I don't want to upset someone who is going through something. So I'm going to talk it over with person C yeah. over here to the side. I need to make sure that I'm not crazy. Crazy. I'm not out of line to bring this up. I'm not cool. We all had a problem with that. Great. Then let's bring this up with her. Yeah. I think, I don't blame, I, again, I thought that, I think the intentions were the best in right. terms of that. Whether the execution was correct or not is another, you know. It should have been Nicole. It should have been Nicole, really. Um, yeah. But then Adriana's like, you're a great mom and like comforts her. And that's where we leave the episode. And it's just a really like dark cliffhanger. Um, yeah. We do get the mid-season. We did, I don't, we didn't get it in the episode, but we they posted the mid-season trailer. Um, looks really fucking good. Yeah. Like, <laughs> um, yeah, it's going to be uh, – Miami's just killing it. They're killing it always, and I and I really love what they're doing. I do hate that they bumped them for Girls Trip on the timeline to where it now airs at 10, and it's just going to fuck with their ratings more. Well, they they did that because they didn't want people to turn off after, after Miami. To watch Girls Trip. Right. They wanted to kind of shoehorn people into watching Girls Trip. Yeah, but it's just like mm. – uh, yeah, I, I think they deserve... I don't think they needed to do that. No, I don't think Because so I think this, this season of Girls Trip is doing well enough on its own without manipulating the ratings. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, that was Miami. Really great stuff as always. All right, let's get into these tops and bottoms, babe. We got Potomac. We got Salt Lake City. We got Beverly Hills. We got Miami. What you thinking, babe? Um, bottom for this week, I am going to give it to Giselle over on Potomac. It's just been a continued issue with her. And yeah. like, the fucking, like... The 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 stuff that she was trying to spin about that like Candace being behind the death threat shit like so inept in terms of like everything that she's doing and the way that she just again continues to not foster a, a conducive environment for this show working. I will also give a side um uh, bottom to production just because mm-hmm. my god that fucking episode was terrible. Um, but for the, it, a lot of the also boils down to Giselle. I really think they have to have a deep conversation about not renewing her next season. I, I completely agree. I think it's a, it's becoming a real fucking problem and I don't see the returns in the good stuff that she's bringing versus the negative. I don't. Well, and what's funny is I think that I love her children. That's about it. I think that Garcelle has actively tried to position herself away from Robin. You mean because- Giselle? Didn't I say Giselle? You said Garcelle. It's too close and it's too late. Um, (laughs) um, Giselle has actively tried to pivot herself slightly away from Robin. Yeah. So that if Robin is cut, she stays safe. But really what she's done is made it made it to where they can cut Giselle and keep Robin. Robin. Which would be crazy. (laughs) Which I think could work. 
I think Robin has a path forward that Giselle does not have with this group. Yeah, there's no growing with Giselle. And I think without Giselle in Robin's ear, Robin can, not necessarily will, but can ingratiate herself back into the group. Get Giselle out your ear and kick Juan to the fucking curb. Yes. That needs to happen. Um, my top of the week, funny that you mentioned that. Um, my top is Garcelle, oh. actually. Again, I mentioned it, like, the way that she produces is so really good. Like, in like in contrast to Giselle, it's actually, like, yeah. she's great at fucking producing and navigating throughout this and sort of, like, getting the conversations rolling. And, like, also, I just felt she handled Dorit so fucking perfectly and, like, stood in her power and had every right to basically be like, no, fuck you. You're not learning. I don't need to fucking teach you. Like, I've done, I've tried with you for so fucking long and it just keeps blowing up in my face and I'm not doing it anymore. Yeah. Like I, I commend her so much. I think she's been such a good, powerful force of change at Beverly Hills. And like, I really think that she is becoming a star on this show in many ways. I really love what Garcelle's bringing. Um, what about you, babe? What are your tops and bottoms? Um, well, um, relating to your top, my bottom is Dorit. Yeah. Because, <laughs> holy shit, Dorit, really? The fa- can I just quickly say, the fact that going into the episode, she posted on her fucking oh Instagram. Oh, my God. We didn't talk about it. her look and then captioned it, proudly living in my bubble. So, what is wrong with you? So you literally are saying, I'm proud of my privilege. <laughs> Cannot be me. Could not be me. Like, <laughs> wow. Okay. Um, well, um, Dorit uh, is my bottom for the yeah. week. <laughs> Um, and I think it's pretty obvious, but like, you know, throwing out microaggressions constantly, like in indefensible positions, all episode, like this episode was about Dorit failing at life. (laughs) It really was so. Like it was constant. It was thing after thing after thing. She tried to point the conversation away from her, and it still became about how Dorit was not good at doing that. Yeah. So, I mean, it just, the whole episode was just fail after fail after fail. Um, And one of those failures was when um, she got called out for the microaggression by my top of the week, Erica. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, and it wasn't necessarily that, right? I I talked about how that's kind of bare minimum for people who are white and are trying to be um, accomplices to people of color and specifically black people. Yeah. Like, that is bare fucking minimum to call that shit out. Um, my top really goes to her because she seems to have laid down her arms. Yeah. When it comes to Sutton and Garcelle. And really, and I I do see this trio going forward as a a powerhouse. And I really am looking forward to this going. Because at this point, it can be where Erica is the teeth. Because she does really well in that position. As we saw with Denise. But in a group where they are on the right side of an argument. Yeah. As opposed to always being on the wrong side with the Fox Force 5. So, like, I just, I'm really excited to see this movement forward 
And it's just, I, I just, I, I, I'm glad to see her winning again after the last couple of years, just having been really bad for her. Um, and like I said before, I've been an Erica fan for a long time. Um, and that was kind of difficult to deal with the last few seasons. And it's looks like it's turning around and looks like maybe, maybe I can bet it all on Blonde again. Hey, thanks for tuning into this episode of A Gay and His Envy. Join us next time for more of our recaps and hot takes. And be sure to subscribe and leave a review wherever you are listening. And check us out on our social media at A Gay and His Envy on all the platforms. A special shout out to Shane Ivers who wrote Pulsar, the song we use for our theme. I'm Eamon. I'm Merlin. And, and we're, we're out. out. This show is a member of the Sorgatron Media Podcast Network. Find out more at sorgatronmedia.com.